Blog Talk Radio. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals. So that security and liberty may prosper together. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are as a people, inherently and historically, opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. We have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. George Bush has invoked a new world order without enunciating a new American purpose. Bush kept said, and it's a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed a new world order, and instead it looks like we got a lot of disorder. Today we take an essential step in defeating terrorism while protecting the constitutional rights of all Americans. Preventing mass terror will be the responsibilities of presidents far into the future. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. These are not simply words written into aging parchment. They are the foundation of liberty and justice in this country. This is an ideological battle. Some people believe in globalism, others of us believe in national sovereignty. It's a contest between ideologies, whether we believe in our institutions here, our national sovereignty, our constitution, or are we going to further move in the direction of international government? It's just knowledge is out there. If we look for it, you'll realize that our national sovereignty is under threat.
All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. All right, Joseph Gibson here, podcasting, understanding the times in which we live today. Be with you momentarily here. We're going to be podcasting here. We're going to be having a simulcast discussion here with Liberal Dan here tonight. So I'm not sure if we got our our time mixed up here. Our time here, it may have uh, been starting at 8:30 for him. I may have goofed up here and started at 7:30, but that's okay. With the, the show will go on and we will have our liberal discussion here. So everyone's just going to be patient. And uh, I'm trying to get in touch with him now, but it might be going on at uh, 8.30. So that's only about 45 minutes away. So, But uh, just hang in tight. But we are making a stand, and we're waking everybody up that 9-11 was an inside job. And you are the minority. You are the cowards who don't know the truth. You're the people that serve this evil system. You're the people that serve a system that hurts innocent men, women, and children. Not just Iraqis, not just Afghans, not just Africans, but the people right here in this nation. You serve a new world order that attacks and feeds on you. And I'm here to tell you that you will be defeated. Your hours are numbered. We've got the energy. We've got the life force. All you've got is evil backing you up. All you've got is greed and liking to look at yourself in the mirror. Because deep down, the New World Order is a pot-bellied, chicken-necked ninny. And all the armor and all the weapons are nothing. You are nothing compared to good. You are nothing compared to life. And you will be defeated. I want the individuals out there, I want free humanity to turn themselves loose, to cut the chains loose, and to use the end of that chain to slap the new world order right upside the head. You've got the power. You want to know who can defeat the new world order? It is you. You're the individuals that are going to be able to defeat this system. You're the individuals that are going to be able to take down the New World Order. It doesn't matter if Ron Paul wins. It doesn't matter if they rig the election. What matters is is that we're starting to stand up. We're starting to move. We're starting to find our legs. We're starting to build our muscles. We're starting to realize that we do have power, and we can work together, and we can take action, and that the naysayers are a pack of weak liars who have never had any successes in their life and who are upset and frustrated to see us beginning to have victories against tyranny. They don't have any respect for themselves. They don't have any vision. And they don't have any will. And they sure don't have any of the power that shines out of God's soul and energizes all life in the universe. They have wed themselves to death. And they will crumble, and they will fall, and for eternity, we wed ourselves to life, and to everything good, and everything that flows from it. All right, Joseph Gibson here, podcasting, understanding the times in which we live today, restoring our republic. Uh, Again, I... 
I'm waiting for a liberal Dan here. Uh, I don't know if he's simulcasting or not. I'm checking the blog. He, he also does a podcast here. On, I, I, I believe he sent the email, and it was going to be 8.30 on his side, I believe. I believe that's what it was going to be, and it was 7.30 my side, so I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, let's see here. Um, I'm trying to check and see if, he, if he's uh, if he's uh, if he's on there now or not. Um I don't think he is um, liberal, Dan. Let me see if I can find him on here on the blog talk because he does do a blog talk too. But he, he was—he's he, got YouTube going, and he, he's got a, a, a bunch of followers there. Liberal Dan, let's see here. He's, I, I'm, uh, liberal Dan, the liberal Dan. All right, here we go. Let's see, liberal Dan. Let's see where you where you where you at here, buddy. Ah, uh, a discussion with uh, there he is right there. Yep. Um, Okay, 81 minutes. Yeah, we are live. Uh, he's live. Okay, he's he's got his show up and going, so I, I'm going to see if I can call into his show here. Um, Liberal Dan, he doesn't have a phone number. He doesn't have his phone number up and running. He doesn't have a phone number for his show. Let me check my board. Maybe he's trying to call in my board um, and see if he's trying to get into my board here. Liberal Dan, where are you? Liberal Dan, where the heck are you? <laughs> I mean... Uh, Six five seven three eight three zero six one six. Liberal Dan, we we are simulcasting here right now. We are. His show is up and going. So let me see if I can click onto his show here and see what, what what's going on. Let me see if I can. Okay, there's his show right there. Okay, so let me see if I can call into his show here. And uh, I, I said I was going to call into his show. I didn't have his number to his show. Okay, so we're going to do this. Okay, Liberal Dan here. Hang on. Let me write down his number here. And I will call his show, 803-803. And uh, we got quite a crowd here on my platform here listening right now. So, okay, there's his number right there. Let me call his his his, uh, his, uh, his show right there. Okay, now here we go. We're going to call his show right now. Okay, call all right. Okay. Let's see here. Nine one four nine one four and uh, live live internet radio. He's not on YouTube. Usually he does a he's he's on YouTube already. Three one. Okay. Okay. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Let's give him a call and see what we got going on here. Blog Talk Radio. Your show is scheduled to start in one hours. 19 minutes. Oh. Please call back within 15 minutes of oh, scheduled showtime. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, so he hasn't started yet. Is that something or what? That's not. There were 24 liberal Dan discussing liberal. Okay, so he's going to start at 8 8.30. Okay, 8.30. Let's have a class with Dan. Okay, all right, okay. So he's got uh, one hour, 15 minutes to go before he starts his show. Okay, all right. Well, I guess I won't be simulcasting with him until for about another hour. So uh, Liberal Dan, all right, YouTube. All right, he'll be on YouTube. Okay, all right. All right, so, well, folks, that's 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 uh, miscommunication. He did say 8.30. I, I should have stuck with 8. I had originally put it 8.30, and I switched it to 7.30, so I shouldn't have done that. So I got something I can play for you for a little while here anyway while we uh, while we wait uh, 73 minutes until show. Okay, so all right, all right. So, okay, that's fine. That's not a problem at all. 
Liberal Dan, that's fine. I'll just play a little something here for my listeners until then. We've got an hour to go, and then we'll be simulcasting, okay, with Liberal Dan. At a time in history, the United States government is mired in so many wars against so many foreign nations, and there's plenty of precedents for this. Now, going back to the beginning, the United States fought the American Revolution primarily over King George III's Currency Act which forced the colonists to abandon their own government-issued currencies and conduct business only using printed banknotes borrowed at interest from the Bank of England. If you go back to the writings of Ben Franklin, direct quote, the refusal of King George III to allow the colonies to operate an honest money system which freed the ordinary man from the clutches of the money manipulators was probably the prime cause of the revolution. That's Ben Franklin. Now, our public schools don't teach that because you're not supposed to know that the bankers were really behind the American Revolution. After the revolution, the United States adopted a revolutionary, radically different... Who I got here, 305? Who do I got? Hey, hey, Joe, it's Mike. Oh, Mike, how you doing? Yeah, I got my hairs crossed up there for it. He's actually, he's not going to be simulcasting with me until 8.30, so I've got one hour to kill here of airtime, so. <laughs> miscommunication, yeah, yeah it was a miscommunication. It was 8.30, like I, I switched it to 7.30 for some reason. Somebody sent me an email and had told me that, uh, so I had to go back and reprogram everything, I, so I figured I'd just leave it at 7.30, and I'd play something on the bankers for a little while if I didn't get no callers, so, you know. <laughs> but you're but at least you're loyal. You 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 were right. I had another crank caller on a second ago, but I hung up on him. So, <laughs> so what's the word, Mike? Oh well, no! I got some, my I got some extra walk. air time here. What's that? I said I'm out taking my first walk in two and a half years. Finally, getting back to my little bit of exercise and get the blood flowing. I live out in oh, the boondocks, okay. you know. When in in the farming area, it's called the Redlands. So I'm oh, really? And it's, yeah, and it's dark, of course, and right now I'm on a corner about three miles from my house, and I was walking in the dark through all kinds of weeds and shit, and I, I turned on the light on my phone, and now I'm, I'm bending over, pulling stickers off my, uh, my uh, the cuff of my uh, sweatpants. You got, I got a bunch you of got stickers alligators there? My, uh, there's some close by. They got plenty of alligators here in South Florida, man. Well, that's what I'm saying. Are you in alligator area there? Because I always hear these horror stories where if you break down on the road in Florida, you don't pull over because you can get eaten by an alligator, you know? Yeah, well, that that could happen and if you're in the wrong place. Uh, it wouldn't be that common. It's more folklore than anything else. I mean, Oh, really? In theory. Oh, okay. Yeah, in theory, <laughs> it, could, it could happen. Okay, um, so you do have alligators you know, down there. Oh, yeah. Definitely got alligators all over the place down here. Um, okay, so well, I'm glad I got you on the phone because I was thinking about you today. I was thinking about I was going there looking at the videos there you had up on Rumble and everything. So your militia platform pretty much fell apart then. Is that is that what's going on, or is the assemblies gone? Is that is is is, is everything all done with? I mean, is it just like washed up and, and dried up, or how is it going to go? I watched the video, and I couldn't get a clear picture of what you were trying to say here. Yeah, well, n- not at all what you just suggested. Um, okay. To the contrary, um, I guess I could say it two or three different ways. Um, on the one hand, as you know, I believe, um, you know, if you watch my uh, 
militia militia meeting 30, 38, 39, and 40 were like yeah. the last ones I did where I was expressing a lot of um, a lot of dissatisfaction over the lack of patriots yeah. that, you know, that have what it takes, that are sincere, you know, that want to pull together and uh, organize and unite. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's it's the damnedest thing, to be honest with you. I just kind of beside myself on it. Um, so, yeah, it was a little discouraging, um, but it's probably a combination of things. Um, yeah, yeah on, on the one hand, disappointment and discouragement over the lack of of American people who are really genuinely wanting to organize, unite and organize with one another in a fashion that will make them strong and make them able to um, hold the corruption accountable. Uh, no, but there's not enough people that will stand up to want to do that, to unite and organize. Um, so, Well, you remember the Tea Party yeah. movement, right? You remember the Tea Party movement, right? Yeah, controlled opposition movement, sure, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, it's still, though, but you had a lot of grassroots people out there that were still became involved with it, and they still got together and believed in it, okay? Whether it was controlled by – whether it was founded by evil intentions or bad intentions or, or whatnot, it doesn't matter. There were still a lot of good people that did do a lot of good things and brought a lot of attention. I believe the Federal Reserve got a lot of light, and a lot of people started getting educated on the Federal Reserve at that time also. So that's what I'm hinting to is the only way you have people that you've contacted and then spoken with in video with in other states, what you have to do is get them, if they're really serious, and I think they are, I think one guy, your Texas guy, is he wants to run for governor, I think we have to get political candidates to run into the de facto and, and, and do the same thing the de facto did to us. Okay, And the de facto, basically, what they did was is they infiltrated our schools. They they infiltrated our republic, took over our republic, and and basically hijacked our 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 way of our our found our founding fathers' way of life that they wanted to try to implement through government and through belief and break away from the British crown and be free over here. What they did was that they came over here and they infiltrated it and they and they usurped that system and now we're back under designed control again. We're being taxed. We're our our money is hijacked. It's controlled by central bankers, the Rothschilds. Um, so, so they control everything. And so, what we have to do is, instead of going to war and 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 doing something crazy and having spilling blood like the founders did, because they didn't have nothing to do back then anyway, but pitchforks and farms, uh, we are more sophisticated and more civilized. So, what we have to use the the uh, it could be paper way too paper push, pushing, but grassroots getting out there and activism and getting involved and putting candidates in there that aren't going to sell out to the system. That aren't going to change as soon as they're elected or get bought off by special interest groups. They have to stay hardcore, stay true, stay true, righteous, and that's and build your righteous army. Make sure they stay righteous. Say, make sure they stay smartly and 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 and, and, and want to overcome the district of criminals machine. You know what I mean? And start. Uh, you say local. Well. Start with your state legislators, your local mayors, your local sheriffs. Let's get candidates up and running. Put our little $100 bills together and our pennies and our quarters, we, we, and, and hopefully we'll get some big sponsors out there or people that want to see change. You know, Maybe we'll get some rich billionaire who has a conscience, who wants to fund uh, uh, us, uh, and, and start getting candidates elected into office. What do you think? Well, um, 
as you know, uh, just to go back to the first part of what you said, I've been harping all along that, you know, my my efforts to organize we the people who are the militia, therefore as the militia, was not one of gun in hand or violence. It was one of lawful, peaceful, open, transparent, organized, and essentially creating a new image and a new color, a new flavor for what the militia really is. It's it's not, you know, what it was 200 years ago. Now it's it's simply about people organizing in their communities. I mean, they are the militia, but it's not about gun in hand. It's about pen in hand. It's about intelligence and smarts and articulating, you know, uh, lawfully, um, which brings up the whole issue of common law, constitutional law, U.S. codes that are yep. in our favor, and then having the right people work together in mass which is the second part of the equation that you were just referencing. I, I hate to sound like, you know, the, 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 uh, the pessimist here. It's certainly been my experience for six months. There's not enough people in each community. Sure, there may be one or two, you know, people like you and me in a few counties throughout some of the states, but it's going to take a hell of a lot more than that. It's going to take when there is that person like you or me, there needs to be anywhere from five to ten who essentially open up an office, a righteous army office, a militia office, a political social office. And, and that office is an official headquarters for that county for, you know, the people like with the ability of, yeah, of being considered – those who I would identify as being, you know, um, conservatives, Christians, patriots, truthers, believing in God. Um, we have to usurp the Republican platform. We, my, let me interrupt you right there, Mike. We'd have to usurp the Republican platform because you're not going to go in there and do constitutional party. You're not going to go in there and be a libertarian because the two-party system right. has too much mind control over the paradigm way of thinking of, of the American people. You have to go in there and That's infiltrate true. the Republican Party and run as a Republican and get in there, you know, and, and then and you have to be like the new Republican Party, you know, and not, not the conservatives. Of not the faces of old are out the face and then the people of new and the voices of new new uh, ideas and new f- ideas of freedom are in and that's the message that would have to go and yeah that office that was a good idea and you start having offices pop up all over the country you'd be surprised how many people would flock there because you're wrong you did have quite a following there on the on the videos if you look at the number of views and watches you go to Rumble you got a hundred here you, you add all those up you got thousands and thousands of views, that's all you need to start a grassroots uh, uh, campaign across this country. You know, I mean, uh, even the evil dictators started out with a few. Look at Hitler. He started out with a few uh, socialists there in a the bar. You know, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, everybody can uh, start off small. And, uh, and by no means I'm not trying to compare the, our movement to Hitler. I'm just saying I'm just using examples of people who could start, chan- you know, getting people together to meet and grow. And that's what I meant by that. So, um, yeah, and, and we will have to do the – and that's where we skip the sovereign stuff. You know, I'm going to walk into court with a pen and paper and say I'm king and I'm going to govern myself. You will not be taken seriously. You will be laughed at. Even if you are right, even if you will win some cases, and if cases get dismissed, you will not be taken seriously across the – nation you'll be uh, you're an agitator and you're a terrorist according to the de facto you know you have to go in and you have to do it right right 
However, those people you just referenced, sovereigns, um, they they are the ones that are right, and therefore yeah. the more people, the the more people that are that that are that that endeavor to create the new Republican Party, so to speak, the better. Yes. Because those yes. are the people that are in the right, <laughs> the, the sovereigns, the, the common That's law correct. movement. The, yes, I agree. But it has to be done. But but you see, now we're, you're going to face some opposition because some people, even in those meetings, if you're a part of the de facto, if you have any part of it whatsoever, I don't want no part of you. We heard that conversation. You know, you can't. You have to keep your mind open. Look, what what this this the, the movement that has been going, or even what you've been doing, like you said, the lack of uh, of growth has been discouraging. Okay, it's not working. What do we got to do? We don't have time to keep beating the same dead horse. We got to try something new. Try something different. Keep adapting. Keep keep you know keep throwing different ideas and different solutions out there, or different ways uh, to uh, combat this uh, this new world order that they're throwing at us. We have to try these, well, you I know. Just, yeah. And I believe that's a good way. I, I disagree with that, Joe. I I mean I don't at the risk of sounding arrogant or conceited, which I'm not. I know that by the grace of God through inspiration, I put forth the ultimate and the only workable solution, which I kind of, you know, elaborated on. It is the only solution, but going about it and implementing it is what I'm talking about. You have to go about it a different way. And that's why I was saying getting candidates that will run on the de facto ticket and then once in there, implement the common law, uh, Article 3 courts. And then you could do it. You'll You'll have the de facto stage and you'll have their books and their keys to their, to their buildings to do it, and they can't come after you that then. That, they can't, you know? That won't work. That won't work, and let me explain why that will not work. Because while I like the idea of doing to them what they did to us, which is subversively infiltrating, the, you know, i.e. going in as a de facto, you know, politician, um, but then doing the other thing, no. They have total control over their people. They have control you mean to tell me if you had 1,000 Ron Pauls? You mean to tell me if you had 1,000 Ron Pauls that wanted to end the Fed uh, across this country? If you had, uh, uh, if you had, like, like, I know you don't like Donald Trump and whatnot, but if you had uh, all Donald Trump, if you had 1,000 Donald Trumps in public office that wanted to drain the swamp, you don't think it would gain traction and that we would be able to usurp them and and and, and actually implement those those and actually reinstate the original Constitution, the organic Constitution? You don't think that? I think it could. I think. Look, I had fifteen hundred votes in my I, county. Well, listen. If if you had, this is a big a big if and a big hypothetical. If you had one thousand solid, committed, devoted that were about that that had public traction, which they'll never get through the mainstream media, because again, they the, the enemy owns the media. That's the biggest problem we have is that they own the money system, which they're getting ready to convert over to cashless anyway. No, Mike, I had 1,500 that wanted to take a chance. I had 1,500 that were willing to take that chance on me, you know, that they they needed – they got that little push to to actually scratch that check mark next to my name, you know what I mean? Because, look, we know the American people are wimps. We got a bunch of powder puff cakes out there, you know? Yeah, you just proved my point. You had 1,500 in your county that were willing to try to get you in. 
and 1,500 out of the millions that voted for whoever they voted for just ain't going to cut it. I mean, no, I, no, I no, not millions. Like we have millions in my county. We have millions. We had about twenty-five thousand in my county that were registered, registered, uh, registered uh, voters, and we had about uh, ten thousand registered. You know, in my county, that's in my county, my district. You know. Right. So what I'm trying right. to say is that if we had more Joe Gibsons in North, but, but in look, North Carolina, if we had eight candidates running, that would be great. Right, but look how virtually impossible it is just to get one in. And we're talking about I know. a thousand. I know, I know, you I know. know. But, I, but my Again, but I don't going mean to sound like the pessimist here, but I'm yeah. the realist. I'm an ultimate realist. So to me, it's about. You talked about fundraising, Mike. You talked about fundraising the other day, how hard it was. Listen, I have a state-registered committee that can raise money with the de facto legally on their terms, you know, without, without the IRS kicking down my door. I can, you know, I have a state right. If we had eight state-run committees in North Carolina with eight candidates running, we, we could gain – we'll have movement. You'll have a say. You see, you have to play by their – game and their rules right now until we can get in there and have the power to change the rules because right now we don't have the power to change the rules back to the way it's supposed to be we don't have it you know and but we so we have to get we have to usurp them we have to get in there so we can change yeah. the rules you know and i just believe that getting yeah, well, a boy, yeah. i believe it can be done yeah well um i i thought so you know when i was putting forth my effort i mean obviously my efforts at thebigvirushoax.com, those have paid off in the sense that it's there and, and the information is now on that website for people that discover that website. You know, they have everything. There. But you know everything what, Mike? Is. You know how many people in the grocery store line today knew about Righteous Army? You know how many people knew about it? Nobody heard about it. And I was still talking to people today. Right. There was five people in line. Nobody heard about it. Nobody knew. Right. You know what? You want to know why? Right. Because you're not out there in the mainstream. But, if we, you know, we've got to get you out there. You know, and that how you do that by playing the de facto game, you know, and you did. Yeah. Obviously, you got your platform out there. You got the information posted. So because you went by their rules on YouTube and and you built their website, and you played by you played by their rules. But now you can only go so far. You know, that's why, you know, that's what I'm saying, doing different things, you know. Let me correct you on that, because to the contrary, um, I just am, a, you know, a person who, you know, puts truth online. And when I did that with my 15-year YouTube channel, they took it down. And then when yeah. we did it with the Big Virus Hope YouTube channel, they took it down. YouTube has taken numerous channels down. That's why I have yeah. multiple channels as backups. Yeah. But, you know, and that's aside from the fact that, you know, I, I put everything on BitChute, Brideon, Rumble, Odyssey, YouTube. We connected, um, we connected, obviously, and other people can, can connect, but I was brought this up in one of the videos, too, is you have lawyers out there, doctors who are working all day long. They work from 7 o'clock in the morning until 7 o'clock at night. They're not going to be on Zoom until 2 o'clock in the morning, so we have to go out there and play, play in their back, in their schoolyard. We've got to go to their, their uh, the recreational court, and, when we, and, and by doing that, we go in there and we become them for a little while, and then we say, hey, it's time to change the rules to what's right. Look, you know what's right. You know this is right, Re reinstating the Constitution. You know that these codes and statutes are illegal and they're wrong. You know, and you play at the conscience and the heartstrings of the American people. I believe that, I believe that good will always overcome evil uh, one way or another, and, and I believe there's still a lot of good out there in America. It's just that you just got to kick them in the rear ending and get them over that hump. 
and, it, and it's very difficult, you know. It's very difficult because we're a selfish people. You know, my, you know, my time, my my checkbook, my money. You know, it's me, 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 me. So let's go into their me world and uh, and flip the script on them, you know. And that's why I did that here in my county, restore the republic. That sign was all over my county, restore the republic. You know how many people saw my signs and thought about it and said, well, restore the republic. What's he mean, you know? And how many how many people that you know when I was at the polls, people people who weren't even voting for me wanted to meet me. Like, who is this guy Joe Gibson? What are you talking about? Restore the Republic. And I and I had to explain it to him and, and you know, and you get that and like I said, you get ten, twenty, thirty candidates across North Carolina now in different counties saying the same thing. We get more guys like Mike, Joe in there. Now we can change the rules, you know. We we can we can override it'll be hard. It'll be a battle, but look, these people didn't do it overnight to us. You know, as long as we're doing the right thing and we're doing what's godly and and, and I believe we'll be blessed in the long run and I believe God will give us a reprieve and we won't get into this new world order. You know, I believe it'll be put off some and we can have some sort of spiritual awakening that can buy us some more time so we can live and our children can live and our grandchildren can live because right now they're pushing us to death and destruction quickly, you know, and, and we're losing. We're losing that information war. We're losing it. And a prime example of this is going to be when I debate this guy here in about 30 minutes here, this liberal Dan. You're going to get an audience loaded with liberals, okay, that are going to, that are, that are going to probably attack me. And, and, and you're going to listen to the lack of common sense that this guy has when I start bringing up facts and, 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 uh, and, 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 and portraying exactly what's going on in the, the major cities across America, the, 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 the decline, the moral decline, the fabric of our society being destroyed. And, and how they're going to deny it. And, uh, I mean, I've done this before, and it's really quite interesting how, how the liberal went there back into a corner. But I, and, but I, if he embarrasses himself, he'll, he has quite a following on his podcast and his, and his uh, radio show. And uh, if I put it to him the right way, maybe we can turn some of these whack zombies up and wake them up and snap them out of their uh, brainwashed spell. I mean, hopefully they haven't been vaccinated. Most of them probably already have, so they may be gone already. But, <laughs> you know... <laughs> <laughs> and maybe they're connected to those five G towers. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they 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 are sure, certainly going to be. Um, you know that that that's a yeah. That's an issue. But, uh, you know, I, think, I got another caller here that wants to jump in here. I got another caller that wants to jump in here temporarily. And just for everybody that is listening, uh, we'll be simulcasting here shortly with the Liberal Dan podcast. And uh, we'll be having a discussion, one-on-one discussion, about policy failure and the policies of America and just exactly how much damage the Democrat Party is doing to the uh, 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 our, our republic. Uh, 323, let's bring on 323, see what they got to say. 323. Hello, boys. Hello, Joe. Michael, this is Joe. I'm hey, here for Joe, that debate. I'm doing fine. Um, so I'm hoping that you lay down some ground rules with this guy. Um, I was about to ask you if he um, if he's the guy that's on BTR. I think he is. So uh, I hope you lay down the kind of ground rules that you and I had set so that um, he doesn't do the Fauci tap dance. But I know it's going to be an interesting type of debate, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, in, you know, I'd like to volunteer my services in the future if you have any more debates and if you feel that um, you want somebody to do whoever comes on your show a nice little grilling job, I'd be glad to do it. 
Yeah, that would that would be yeah. You as being the the uh, moderator or the uh, question guy that had questions both yeah, parties. The moderator. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea, actually. And uh, you do ask hard questions. I believe uh, uh, my other caller here that's online with me right now, he's, he's heard you uh, question the Republic when we were on uh, uh, a yeah, couple months Mike, ago. I know. I've heard, I've, yeah, yeah. I know. I've heard him on your other show. The thing yeah, is, yeah. is that not only asking the hard questions, but um, you got to let them know that you are allowed to interrupt at any time and to keep the questioning um, along a logical line. You know, yeah. you can ask, ask yeah. que- you can hard, you can ask hard questions, but if they start to tap, wait, 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 keep the like questioning this. along a logical line with lib dumbs. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> like with anybody. Let me tell you something. Anybody, conservatives, libertarians. I'm a libertarian. Um, liberals. We all have confirmation biases, and we have to make yeah. sure that whoever you ask, whoever you question. They have to come across in a very nice, short, succinct way so that the audience can understand what they're saying and they don't do the tap dance. So people will resent it and people will feel as though they're being uh, treated rudely. So if you tell them in advance, you know, this is what's going to happen, then they have no reason to whine. Now, if you're right about the liberal band guy, if he has a nice following – um, and if you can time, put them in the corner the same way that I put people in the corner, you know, without, without, um, you know, taking off their legs, then, um, <laughs> you know, you yeah, can have, yeah. or you can be very, you can be very effective. So I'm here for yeah. that debate. I just wanted to say hi to you guys. And, um, yeah. An hour and a half? I gotta wait an hour and a half for this no, guy to no, come No, 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 no. It's uh, actually about uh, what time is it now? Uh, what time is what time is it right now? It's gonna it's going to be uh, in uh, actually twenty five minutes. It starts twenty five minutes. Twenty five. All right. Yeah, twenty five so minutes. Case, so twenty five uh, minutes. One, one thing. I, <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to ask both of you guys, and this is a this is a criticism of both of you. As a matter of fact, of, of anybody who has Zoom meetings for six to eight hours at a time. That's what you guys have had. And I'm yeah. saying to myself, why? You can condense that to two hours and get things done without the, uh, you know, the blah, blah, blah. So I just said that as a criticism, but it's also my advice to people. If you're going to have a meeting, have a meeting, not a freaking webinar. Yeah. You know, um, get the yeah, agenda down. Yeah, let me respond to that. I appreciate what you're saying, Joe. And, and you're right in, in uh, what you're saying, but I, as all I can tell you is that what I do is I always, you know, pretty much go the way of, okay, this is our meeting, and whatever we're going to address, we're going to address, and we'll, we'll do our best to address it all within an hour. Um, and sometimes I'll just stop the recording at that point um, or maybe restart it, but at that point I'll say it's kind of an open dialogue now. So, I mean, I'll try to get the issues squared away at, at the up front and then and then i don't care i mean people can talk about all kinds of interesting issues so I just, that's the you know, problem mike that's what, that's, if you're going to have a meeting the meeting is there to get an agenda fixed and to get the methodologies um spoken about quickly and then implemented if you're going to have eight hours to have open dialogue and you're going to have eight hours of open dialogues and nothing gets done i'm i'm i haven't been there have never been at the, any of these meetings, but I'm going to say that very little has been done. That's my prediction. Am I right or yeah. wrong? 
It always ends up okay. in a crash and burn, too, at the end sometimes. Like the other night, it ended up in no, a crash me, and burn. Let me, say, <laughs> let me say this. Let me say this in, in conjunction with what I already said. Um, I just happen to be a firm believer that there's a lot of people waking up and there's a lot of information that's surfacing that a lot of people don't know about. So a lot of my purpose is just to talk about a lot of different things so that it's been recorded so that when it's out there, who knows who is going to hear it and say, wow, that's an interesting perspective. Wow. I never thought of it like that. Wow. This makes sense. I never heard. You know, and I've heard you say that on Joe's other show, you've got a website. You've also got something like 1700 members signed up for your newsletter. You've had that message out there. It doesn't need to be to bear repeating every single meeting, in my opinion. Okay, I'm just saying it's my opinion. No, I hear you. And if and if meetings are there to get things done, my opinion again, you don't have an open dialogue every meeting. You say, gentlemen, ladies, thank you for coming. Here are the topics. Here's the agenda. Let's get started. Okay, what's the first issue? Okay, then you have let's say. Um, a Joe versus a John, they have a difference of opinion. And then whoever's the moderator gets into it and, and gets from them the relevant details about what the problem is, get an agreement or agree to disagree, <clears throat> agree to disagree, excuse me, and then make note of it and then move on. I would say this, Joe. Yeah. I would I would say this, Joe, the night that Joe actually, Mike, the night that he did the moderation of me, where he grilled me on on, on a liberal uh, platform, pretty much, there was mainly all Democrats and liberals that really, at the end of the show, supported me, you know, right. and in the beginning were against them. me. Yeah. That's right. Every one of them said they would vote for him. Yeah. It's getting the truth out there, and it's doing it in a way to influence people. To have eight-hour open dialogues, you're going to have people talk about the history of this and the history of that and what we need to do and if and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you guys are and have been extremely ambitious for the protection um, and unification of America for the last few years. We don't have time anymore. It's 10 to midnight. The New World Order is crashing and, build and burning down processing plants, meat plants. They've already got the bugs in stores. Okay? Yeah. you got the transgenderism yeah, right. here. And what about the new – hey, did, did you hear about this? The, um, there's a new study guide from, that came out from Stanford, which is recommending you can't even call us Americans anymore. It's U.S. citizens because it's, oh, a, it's offensive. Wow. Okay. Wow. The quickening wow. is here. So, again, these are just my opinions. I do my own thing, and, um, you know, everybody else uh, does theirs. So I'm just giving you, you know, the benefit of what I think would be well, I hope at least Joe, decent advice. I hope, Joe, in six months when, you know, I'm already getting – as soon as I get my name back on the primary ticket here, which, which that's going to be the plan here. I still got my committee up and going, and I'm going to make another run here in North Carolina in my district. Uh, I, I need campaign people. I have to get – you know, I have to get the, the war room going. I've got to get it out there and, and, and have people out there. You know, hit, we got – you know, if people believe in me and, and they like my message and want to see something start to grow here in the, 
in this area and where we can branch off like an out you know and 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 grow farther and expand even if it's not with me with new people who could, can bring along the same faith and positive message and get things done uh then uh, i need boots on the ground you absolutely need boots on the ground and I can talk to you for a good half hour if you want in private, just you and me, yeah. and uh, talk about that. Um, you, you may not, you may like what I have to hear, and you may not like uh, other things that, that okay. I have. And what I have well, to hear. do you I have, have a pen? Say. I'll give you my. I'll tell you what. I'll give you my number, my private number. I'll give it to you right now, and uh, you call me. You want to block your number or whatever? I'll. Uh, you call yeah. me when you feel convenient, and we'll have that conversation. Just let me know when All you're right, ready. Let me get some paper here. Yeah, sure. And uh, okay, because it, uh, like I say, it only take about a half an hour's worth of a conversation. Yeah. Um. Okay. And okay, now I got to find my pen. That's all right. Take your time. Okay, Joe, shoot. All right, three three six four one nine seven two three six. And uh, okay. anytime you can call. Anytime. Am I right? Yeah. Did I get it yep, right? That's correct. Okay. Good. Yeah. Anytime, anytime, and uh, give me a call, and uh, I'll answer, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, you can give me that thirty minutes and pound me, and uh, and uh, whether I like, look, I, I tend to go with a lot of things I don't like because uh, it, it works <laughs> sometimes, well, you know. Yeah. Well, I just hope that um, I make sense. That's why. That's what I I like to do. And I'm, <laughs> but a lot of people um, on, on this planet. When I was hired to be a consultant, well, not really consultant. I was hired to work for a company and to bring in change. Um, I, we agreed on what I was supposed to do. Then when I got hired, I'm talking about this one particular company. As soon as I got there, they say, oh, "Joe, you know, we really don't do it like that." I said, "Well, I know. That's why you hired me." But then they kept so <laughs> I decided to, uh, you know, with mutual with them. Uh, yeah, mutual, well, I got my um, hit. I got hit. I, I got hit today, uh, actually, with the letter from the board of state board of elections, and I got to do my fourth quarter disclosure for my state committee. And uh, you know, because that dear, dear, you know, we campaign uh, finance committee, and you know, they they're on you, and uh, you got to you know the, the, do your declaration page, and you know whatever you received, and what, yeah. what, what, anything you paid out, and stuff like well, that. You know, campaign yeah. finance. Right. And I also have a tip for you. You've got a database that I think is even bigger than Mike's which you've had for years. I forget what you call it, but it's about people who have registered, I believe, with the, uh, the Republic. If you reactivate that database and you send out emails, if you can get the software that will send out blast emails or won't be spammed, um, you'll be able to reactivate those people. It will take time. It will take effort. But, you know, wow, but that, elbow that's an idea. Grease, wow. You know, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right, because uh, we have reached out far and wide in many different ways and, and uh, areas throughout the Internet and social media and whatnot also, and, uh, and, 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 and political uh, uh, connections. So, yeah, that's something, that's something I'll have to think about. We'll talk, like I said, privately on that issue, too. And, and yeah, because I mean, I'm serious. I'm in this to win this time. The first time I was testing the waters and I jumped in, I wanted to win, but I just wasn't. I was just new. You know, you know it was my first time, and uh, I had the ideas, and, and when 
you know, I was a new kid on the block. They even said that, newcomer, you know, the Channel uh, 12, uh, was it, WXI News here, you know, newcomer. So this time I'm not going to be a newcomer. I'm going in there, and I, I you know, I, I'm going to I'm I want to ask you a time. question, though. This is going to seem, uh, and I'm on the side of Michael on this one, Okay. is that if you go in as a Republican, okay? Yep. And I understand your reasons for wanting to be a Republican because it's, you know, it's known by the people, Democrats and Republicans, and anybody who's independent, just people seem to kind of fluff off and slough off. However, yeah. we both know that the Democratic machine and the Republican machine in all the states are well-funded for those people who will, who will do what they want. Now, of course, both of you and I also agree that we have to vet the people to get in, into office who will not be bought out. How do we do yep. that? Now, in the meantime, I'm a libertarian. Uh, Ron Paul was a Republican who was actually a libertarian. And you mentioned if we had a 1,000 Ron Pauls, we have to remember Ron Paul by himself as a Republican did nothing I know. Uh, while yeah. he was in office because yeah. everybody else was against him. Yeah. Everybody, How do we change Even the Republicans. That? Yeah. Yeah. You know? How do we change so we have that? To do, we have to, yeah. yeah, we have to change that. We have to – we do. Okay, so I'm, I'm tired with my filibuster. I won't interfere anymore. <laughs> I just want to wait for the debate. <laughs> yeah, okay, I got you. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Let's see. We've got uh, about uh, 10 more minutes, and i got to call over to his podcast, and uh, we'll get it. He's going to link up with YouTube and everything, and, uh, yeah, we're going to uh, get yeah, going. Yeah, that's another good thing, too. If you had a YouTube channel like Mike does and you combine your YouTube channels, again – you do not have to have a leader of, of the entire movement. It's like that's, mm-hmm. this, this was a mistake of what the, uh, the truckers did. The truckers, they wanted, everybody wanted to be a leader. Remember uh, Mike and, and Joe? Everybody wanted to be a leader of the truckers who went to Ottawa. And yeah. uh, I, no, 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 this is, this is my territory. This is my turf. You don't have to have that. You can just have people who will help each other when they need help and everybody doing their own thing, but helping each other, keeping in contact with each other to help each other out. And then and that's it will I evolve. said the same thing, yep. Yep. You said the same thing? Oh, okay. I'm glad. Yeah. Okay. We evolved, yeah. Evolved to branch out and, uh, yeah, expand. It doesn't have to be me that's in the top guy. You know, let's get to, it could be other yeah. people just carrying the same torch, you know? I mean, exactly. It's, like, for example, you and Mike disagree on what you should do tonight in certain areas. But you agree on certain things. You hope, like for example, you sent him money, I believe, for him to buy some. Uh, oh, by the way, Mike, you don't want to have that printer, okay? You don't want to have an inkjet. Inkjets, as you already know, that cost you thirty bucks per cartridge. The cartridges will die out, and they'll. And if you use them, they will dry up in oh, two months. Well, I just and lost you guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, go ahead. I, I can hear you now. Yeah, yeah I, can I can hear you, hear you now. Guys, but I'm- yeah, I'm back in the community where I live, and every time I'm going through this, my, my phone either loses you for a minute or two, or I or it drops. So, all right, let me know. let me say this over to you again. You do not want an inkjet or whatever particular printer that you're using because it's just costing you money. You right. need to buy a laser a laser printer. Unfortunately, they're expensive as hell now. But if you can buy right. one for about a hundred hundred fifty two hundred dollars, even though they're very cheap. Ink jets you can get for like fifty, sixty bucks. If you can get the laser jets, I'm talking about like. Well, hang on, uh, that's what I have, the, Joe. I got the laser jet pro, the all-in-one laser jet. That's what I have. You got the laser? 
Yeah. No, I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry. Wrong terminology. Not, not laser jet. A laser printer. Not a laser jet. Because it's almost the same as an inkjet. They use, they use these small cartridges um, that dry out. You have to use the laser that has the powdered um, cartridges, the toner, as opposed to the, to the uh, toner. Okay, the so let me see. Hang on. So is a color laser jet pro M255DW. That's what I've got. I've got two of those brand new in the box, sealed up. Uh, um, so that's, that, that's what I have. Are those any good? Um, if, if a laser jet. Now, see, um, if it's a lake, see, I, I go by laser. As a, I said laser jet by mistake because there's ink jet and there's another jet. Those dry up the cartridges real quick. Um, yeah. If you have a laser printer and not monochrome, well, unless you can use monochrome. If you, can have, if you don't need color, then get a laser printer monochrome that's for about $150, $200 because the toner will last you for months if not a year yeah that's what i heard right. yeah well they say these cartridges go for about 755 a thousand copies that's what they say so that's what they say yeah, that, that'll do i've done thousands of copies and, and scans on mine and it lasted for years um yeah well, well i've so, out a thousand so <laughs> you know yeah I mean, so, so if you don't need color then yeah then get yourself a little and i met mike um, if I said Joe, I apologize. I met Mike. Because Mike, you had Joe. Yeah, you're you talking Mike about money. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So get well, the laser. Well, I sent out Christmas and, cards. Uh, I sent out Christmas cards to some of my some of my voters uh, and, and the base, Republican base. Uh, so I'm staying in contact. I'm still active here. Um, and like I said, I'm in this to win this time around. You know, 2024, I believe, is the election for us to flip the script on the de facto and get a, get in there and start get restoring our uh, our organic right. constitution and republic. I believe it's uh, this is it well, really. There's no more playing games after this. Yeah, but well, you're absolutely right about it, that. Go ahead, Mike. Since it is Christmas, since it is Christmas, if anybody ever hears this show, if you want to send send Mike, since he can't even afford. Uh, a thirty-dollar ink, let alone a two hundred-dollar uh, laser, uh, laser printer. <laughs> Feel free to purchase one and send it to one nine eight zero zero Southwest One Eight Zero Avenue, Lot Four Four Six, Miami, Florida Three Three One Eight Seven. So, Mike, you can just put Mike Singer on there as a, a belated well, well mike system. why are you so poor and destitute i mean what's going on with you i mean you can't get out there and work i, I, <laughs> I, think, you know, I think i think you know the answer to that um, <laughs> I, I said so many, i've said it so many times and maybe you never heard it but you know before the scamdemic clamdemic depopulation bullshit kicked in you know life was different for everybody and i was a guy that was playing acoustic guitar and singing at marinas and bars and restaurants, and I had ever-increasing gigs coming up. I had finally kind of culminated in my musical career in terms of learning just all kinds of great songs. You know, I was playing and singing Stairway to Heaven and Dust in the Wind and Blackbird and, you know, some blues and some country and some pop and some jazz, just kind of mixing it up. Um, In several of the places I played, the managers told me that I was their favorite act that came in. They really appreciated me. I, I get pretty you know, uh, into character when I'm out there instead of just being a dud sitting on a chair playing and singing. I just oh, I can imagine. I'm at a concert. And, yeah, so I, I have a good time. To, you know, I'll bring sticks and bongos and invite 
people up off the table to come up and kids are always dancing around me. Hey, that sounds cool. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. And, and, you know, aside from that, I was driving Uber to make a few extra bucks. So that was my life, you know, but in March of 2020, everything shut down. I lost every one of my gigs. I even had students where I would go into students' homes and teach, you know, for $60 a lesson. I had a few students and, and um, they, none of them wanted me coming in their home because they thought I was going to bring some disease that doesn't even exist into their home. So I lost all my gigs. I lost my students. Uber terminated me for not wearing a face diaper after I warned them and told them that if they're going to do business in the U.S., they have to abide by U.S. laws and under law. If I don't wear them for religious reasons or, or health reasons, you cannot discriminate against me based on 42 U.S. Code and the Americans with Disabilities Act, Title II and Title III, federal civil rights. But the bastard terminated me anyway. So I lost all my income, and when I did, I became a not, not, not really, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say it was vindictive, but, but I was certainly driven with a passion to go after all the corrupt bastards in this world and expose every aspect of them. Everything, uncover everything about the. It's a good motivation to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that's why I went balls to the walls. And as a result, I mean, it's the is the greatest, most important, significant, meaningful website on the internet today. Address that it gives the right answers to everything regarding viruses, what they are, what they're not, the science behind it, vaccines, how they're incorporating technologies with vaccines, the whole social media censorship, social scoring, digital currency, the New World Order, One World Government agenda, our rights, the laws that protect our God-given rights. I mean, it it addresses everything. And after doing that for two years, it is a kick-ass website. I ended up getting some significant supporters, not that it was a livelihood, but some significant supporters because of those efforts. Just two days ago, I got another $99.99 donation and the guy said mike keep up the great work i love the big it's awesome you know so every once in a while i'll get somebody like that and it helps but i admit that when i realize that the answer comes to down to we the people who are you know essentially you know would identify as being center to right trump supporters conservatives christians patriots truthers you know wearing their don't tread on me t-shirts and their american flags we need to unite and organize county to county, state to state. There needs to be a militia office, a righteous army office, with five to ten people coordinating it. Let me ask you something, Mike. Let me ask you this. When you got that $99 donation from the guy, what did you do after that? Well, right now it's sitting in my PayPal account because every month I, you know, I get, you know, like uh, things to automatically like for domain okay, what did you what did you do with what did you do with him after you got the donation oh i as soon as i got it that you know i i always sent an email saying you know hi you know um the person's name um hi um this was russell russell green hi russell green i use the first name and the last name hi russell green Thank you very much for your generous donation and support. It is much needed and greatly appreciated. Um, together we will keep fighting the good fight. Uh, bless you. Okay, which is good. Then then what? Mike? 
Mike? Um, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. What and then what? Can you, can you, well, I mean, that's it. I mean, you know, I mean, I use the funding for th- these purposes. Okay, I'm going to stop I'm you. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you because Mike's Joe's guest is going to come on in a few minutes. No, actually, no, no. It's actually no. It's not. He's not going to be here for 20 minutes. I screwed up on the time. 20 20 minutes. minutes. I got 20. Okay. Yep. 19 19 minutes 55 seconds. Sorry. All righty. So Joe, I mean not Joe, Mike. You send the guy another email. You send him a PDF. You send him links to your website. You might even send him a little video. Okay. And you continue to do this with your donors to keep in touch to let them know that not only do you appreciate them, but you got to prove to them why you're worth that $99. you got to show him well, what you've been doing. No, I appreciate that. I, I think what covers that, I, I didn't mention it, but, I mean, these are all people that are on my mailing list, on my email list, so you know, every time I send out videos and, and everything. You, but you just get, said, you, yeah, but see that you send out every, every month. I Hopefully you send it out every month. But with, well, this, with, the don- yeah. with the people who give you donations, they're actually showing that they believe in you. You have to yeah, show them so why. Yeah, so what special treatment are you giving them, you know, or what, what, yeah. what, what thankfulness, you know? You kind of got to make them stick out a little bit of appreciative a little bit more than the average Joe Schmo that you send out an email to all the time. Well, yeah. No, just I mean, like Joe said. Yeah, but I was thinking to put a wall of fame on my you know, but you know, that's an idea. You put a wall of fame yeah. on you, and with the with the um, express permission of everybody you sent your donations, right? You have this, you have this right. wall of fame, and you show that to other people who are coming in to let them know they are not alone and donating to you. You are a bona fide person who is showing people the way. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, some people I, I like it. Some people like that extra attention. Yeah, I fantasize about getting winning the four hundred million dollar Powerball or whatever. Because if I did, I truly <laughs> would contact every single person that ever donated well, yeah. to me, and I'd give them that's all a hundred thousand dollars for real. You know, just because they believed in me I, and had that. And I understand that, but in the meantime, you've got people <laughs> who believe in you. You show them <laughs> that you're worth it. Okay? This is just, I, I used to be a marketing director, so I'm giving you my, my little experience. Yeah, yeah, and you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct because growing and, and, and growing any type of group or, or, or uh, inner core of a group, you have to show your appreciation. Some people like that. Other people like participating in other ways. Other people like auctions. Other people like game, uh, uh, raffles. Other Contest people like uh, raffles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You know? It's just certain ways that you make, make people interact with you more. And some people just like to remain anonymous. Some people don't want to be bothered. They just want to give you the money, and walk, right. which are few, you know. you, yeah. you got to get them all in there. Yeah, actually, the one woman in Tennessee who donated the most to me over the last three years, um, total of about $5,000 over the course of two, two and a half. Wow. She, you, she should be guy, you, you should be buying this guy trips to massage parlors. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's a woman, and she said, you know, that she wants to remain anonymous. She doesn't want Same any. Same thing. Woman. Okay. She doesn't want me to mention her name or anything, you know. Well, that's yeah. cool, probably, but you still keep in touch with her, all right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She is yeah. somebody yeah. 
who is showing you appreciation, you have to right, show them okay. appreciation. They've given yeah, you money. You've got you to gotta give them your philosophy right. and why it works. I'm sure she doesn't have right, a crush right. on you. <laughs> yeah, well, that'd be no, right. <laughs> Definitely not that. Yeah. All right, in any case, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up. I'm going to put myself on mute. Let you All two right. guys get back to your conversation before I yeah, interrupt yeah, it. And I'll wait for the debate. Minutes. Yep, we got about okay. 15 minutes to go. That was a good conversation there, Joe. I appreciate that. That was really good, uh, you know. But, uh, right. yeah, tonight, though, for the new callers, uh, we got one-on-one with liberal Dan and his liberal crew coming up here soon. And we're going to be having uh, the liberal uh, faction of America that everyone is up in arms in our, in our court, in our side, that uh, we got to uh, say, hey, you know, these people are destroying our republic, and we have either got to wake them up promptly and quickly, or we got to show them the door, <laughs> one way or the other, because they're destroying our, 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 the moral fabric of our republic. Or it's not, it's already been destroyed, and we've got to rebuild. But, Mike, that was an interesting conversation also that you and I had about, you know, reassimilating the republic back into the de facto, you know, doing what they did. It took years, hundreds of years for them to, to, to take over our republic and destroy it and bring it down to nothing. And uh, I believe that that's an idea and a way to go about doing it, you know, getting these, uh, these people in there and getting them elected. I mean, I thought the Tea Party movement was good. They had the right idea. They were just uh, fundamentally controlled uh, by the opposition, you know. It was uh, the same, same thing like the Republican Democrat Party. They were, you know, the same money funds, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the same – both sides of the coin there, the same thing. You know, flip the coin over, it's the same side. So, but, um, you know, I forgot the train of thought there before Joe came in, what, we, what you and I were actually on and what topic we were on there. So, uh, but, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, what do you think, Mike? You think that's, a, uh, you know, something of interest? I mean, uh, getting a, using your platform and my platform to try to get people out there to, to get their name, to file a notice of candidacy and, and start their committees and uh, in their particular state, you got one guy that wants to do governor. He wants to run for governor, but he just can't have a can. He just doesn't know how to run a campaign. He needs a campaign manager. Um, you know, uh, you know. I mean, I think there's other people in it, and I think, I think, Mike. You know what? To be honest with you, let me not beat around the bush here. I think that the people out there that want to put on, that have their personality, like you said, in the Zoom conference, you get the personality people that want to take over. They want, they start talking and they don't shut up. And they, they really want to put on a show for everybody. And that's fine. That's where you need them to run for public office. You need that person to be running out there for public office, to put their ideas out there and repetitively, repetitively, and to, uh, and if they're right and they're doing it, the right, and they're, you know, got good ideas and solutions and they're really going to implement them, we need their big mouths out there on the campaign trail to to, to uh, shut down these uh, liberals that I'm going to be talking to here shortly. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. Right now, I'm hanging upside down on my cedar. Hang oh, up. God. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sight to see, let me tell you. <laughs> I can only imagine that's got to be a sight to see. <laughs> what is this? Uh, what's the, what was that movie there? Uh, uh, Cape Fear. Remember Robert De Niro? He's hanging upside down talking to the girl on the phone. <laughs> Remember that? No, I'm upside down. I'm upside down. Oh boy, <laughs> that's the Looney Tunes we got on this show. 
I remember when the girl threw either hot soup or something hot on De Niro. Didn't phase him at all since he was in the hole for a while, and uh, nothing yeah. phased him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember that? He goes, "Are you offering me something hot?" <laughs> yeah, that was that was uh, that was a, that was a movie that was off the hook. That was I remember watching that years ago for the first time. And I, you know, obviously now it's it's more older and it's less sophisticated, like the movies of today. But uh, it, that was something else back in the day, like they like to say. <laughs> oh, you want to watch Robert something that's that's scary? Before I came on the show, I was watching uh, The Prisoner. With um, uh, was Bob McGowan? I forget his first name. Prisoner. Hey, was yeah, the prisoner. It's on. It's on Tubi. Um, or you can watch it probably on YouTube. If not on YouTube, you can just go to Tubi. Tubi dot com. Yeah. And the prisoner. It was first presented back in 1967, and um, it was an English series. It lasted for two seasons, and it's scary how this guy predicted what the New World Order, in an allegorical form, would be like. Uh-huh. How people would uh, have to give up their thoughts, their feelings, in order to serve, uh, you know, their masters. It's um, interesting. Really? I, I didn't want to, yeah. Uh, when I first saw it when I was a kid, I thought it was cheesy and hokey and didn't understand it. It's politically, uh, motiv- it's politically motivated and politically oriented. But it's scary in that it's, it applies to today at how brainwashing... Um, you know, it can be so effective, but it's, yeah. it's doing it. You know, it's doing it in a way that it's um, it's entertaining, yet it's scary when you take a look at, you know, how it's um, how 1967 and then 2022, no real difference. In yeah, other words, remember it's the that British movie, version of the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, remember that movie? They live. Was Rowdy Piper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish yeah. we had glasses like that so we could actually see who's who. <laughs> I can't believe we got one that can see. I do have those glasses. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) They're they're, they're innately in my eyeballs. I'm just curious, Mike, if you don't mind me asking. It's just something that that just gets on me on my on my on my mind. It's just something I thought about, and I think about it from time to time when you like when you got background people talking at your house there. I'm just curious if you want to answer. If you don't, I understand. How did you meet your wife? Um. Well, I was kind of doing the same thing that I just started doing today. I was working out. I went to a park to run and do some calisthenics, and I saw this really good-looking, beautiful woman pushing a baby carriage, and I didn't know if it was her kids or if she was a babysitter. And I, I just, she kept going down the street and, I got out of my car and ran up to her and said, hi, excuse me. She turned around and said, hi. She said, I don't speak English. I said, oh, yo estoy aprendiendo español. And, and then she kind of smiled. And I said, um, de donde tu eres? She said, Venezuela. I said, um, you know, some, some small talk, and then we traded numbers. And yeah. she got in touch with me. And she called me a week later, and we got together. And what did you like talk about? When you take her out for dinner? I mean, they don't eat pets around here. So what did I mean? Venezuela, and we know that country there in bad shape. I mean, because uh, you know, I, you know, she don't speak English, so obviously you're, she's you're clear thinking, from. You're thinking. 
You're thinking China, man. <laughs> no, no. You're Venezuela, thinking... too, man. They're eating animals down there. It's bad down there. Yeah, now, from, from now what I heard. Are, yeah. yeah. Now they are, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's very bad in Venezuela. Now they are, yeah. exactly. It's good. Now when he met his wife, I'm sure, but um, it was getting there, I'm no. sure. <laughs> Yeah, I heard. I yeah, heard. 30, though, but that... Thirty or forty years ago, Venezuela was like the um, the gem of the world, man. I mean, everybody. Yeah, I'm Venezuela, 80s, Argentina. Man, I... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And being yeah. from Miami, Florida, you know, I just about every uh, uh, travel agency you'd walk by had like you know two or three gorgeous. You know, Venezuelan women in G-strings, like, turned around looking at the camera, you know, on a beautiful huh. beach. Uh, and it was like, wow, that's the place to go. Interesting, and, um, interesting. Boy, it ain't, the world ain't the same anymore, buddy. It ain't, it ain't what it was 30 or 40 years ago. It's, it's, it's just a shame. It's, it's just gone down the tube so badly, I, I mean, yeah. in so many ways. I mean, I have yeah. personal opinions. I could just, you know, I've said it before. I won't get into it now. But No, no, um, no, 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 I understand can I make one more suggestion before uh, the debate starts? When yeah, yeah, go ahead, make another Zoom, suggestion, sure. When you guys have Zoom, whoever is the moderator, take control, unless you like six-hour meetings. Shorten it. Okay. Make sure everybody gets, gets, gives succinct answers. They won't like it, but if you let them know, this is, you know, this is, I'm taking charge of the Zoom tonight. We all have to go to bed before, you know, midnight. So um, we'll we, address the issue. We did one. We did yeah. one that was nine and a half hours. It went from oh, six o'clock to three thirty. That's 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 way too much, and that's way counterproductive. Okay. Yeah, it was bad. Well, I mean, who would watch that? Who would watch that anyway? Who would sit down and watch that video? The, 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 well, the, the the fifteen or twenty people that were on there were down with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're talkers. But you've got to—you're not trying to talk to, to just the choir. Yeah, you're trying to influence people. people. They enjoy just listening to freaking videos, man. That—that gives. You're right. America's filled you know, with couch potatoes. You're right about that. Yeah. You know. Regardless, your mission is to try to get people to support the um, uh, the bringing together of people in America to make sure that we are Americans. First, foremost, get rid of the scum in Congress. Not to entertain. Right, and again, the problem is they're not going to do it. There's not enough that will do that. They all want to look to some uh, hero like like uh, Trump. They want to. They, 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 they won't found, do it on their own. They, they, they found, 71 million people voted for Trump this time around. He would still be the president if it weren't for the stolen election. So there are people out and there I did, who do want who do want you know leaders. Right. Let's say yeah, let's yeah. say let's say there was let's say there was 80 million people that voted for Trump. Some would argue more, but let's just say there was 80 million people that voted for Trump. Right. 79,900,950 of them um, just want to look to somebody else, and they're not willing to do what they need to do to make things right in this nation. About 50 is all I can find true. in the last six months. So they need inspiration. They need the people to apply the elbow and give them leadership. Yeah, they have to have leaders. If you're not, we lack if you're leadership. not there to be a leader, you're right. If you guys are not there to be leaders, then who is? Yeah, 
Yeah, there's no leader. We have no leaders out there anymore. We have misleaders. We have misleaders that are leading this country down to uh, to, to the pits of hell, or whatever you want to call well, it. And and you know. Well, I know too. The, the, again, they look to the superhero leaders that are put in place for them by the evil uh, empire. They they look to the, um, the you know. Let's get a billionaire that had a TV show to, 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 to put in office, guys. Everybody will love him. They'll vote for him. Um, anything to pacify them and put it on one man. That's what they do. They're very smart. They've got their system Yeah, down, but Trump man. was it's, not. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But, you know, Trump was not the type. He was a no-non. Listen, that guy did business with the mafia, okay? And That's you right. were, had to be street smart and you had to be tough. You were no punk in New York City when you were, you know, during those during the late 70s and 80s when you were building, you know, had to, doing construction. And uh, I'm from up that way. And, uh, you know, and it doesn't matter what if you were playing a card game and a pool hall. You had to be tough. You were no punk, you know. So, I mean, and, and so Trump was, was streetwise, you know, and I and I think that he he showed that, you know, with these, a lot of these prima donna New World Order uh so-called thugs, you know, and, and he punked a lot of them down, and I saw that. Now, I'm not going to agree with everything Trump did, you know, but I let that he, he did a lot, you know. He established some he respectability. He played a role, man. He played well, a role in his commission. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, I just don't know. I, I wish I could be a fly on the wall when he's having his private meetings with his, with his family and whatnot. You know, I mean, if I was just say I was tr- uh, uh, somebody like Trump, I'm going to have my haters out there, too. Or no matter what I do, I won't do anything right. You know, and so that's why you got to kind of have an open mind and look at the good and a lot of what these people have done and what they're trying to do. Now, tell me something, Mike. If a lot of the opposition wasn't standing in the way of Trump, the negative opposition or the or the or the real uh, uh, criminal opposition that was standing in the way of him, what could he really have done that was a lot better for our country and have achieved it? And if he did achieve it, where would we be today? You know, let's look at it that way. As you know, I wasn't a Trump hater. I never was. I was his greatest supporter. I wrote the only original Trump song called Trump Train, which is on the website. You should listen to it sometime. I mean, it's, the right. lyrics say it all. I even have the lyrics on the page. It's on the, well, what switched to, you then? The what, what turned the tide? Um, the, the, you know, being that I put together the bigviruswoax.com that has all the answers to everything on it, um, it became very clear in his third term when he was letting Fauci uh, push him off the stage and wasn't doing anything about getting rid of that criminal and uh, was, you know, pushing the deadly vaccines and claiming to be the father of the vaccines, that that's when I had the greatest concern. But it was about at that same time that I that I was learning a lot more about um, the uh, – you know, the Zionist Jew, you know, um, movement, you know, the, the whole New World Order based upon Zionist Jews, the, the whole New World Order based upon, you know, um, Jesuits. Okay, be and careful, just, be careful, all, the pieces, yeah. The pieces of the Good. puzzle all started falling together. I mean, he put three Jesuits into the Supreme Court, and the Jesuits are the top of the line for the Roman Catholic Vatican Papal Institution. And the Roman Catholic Vatican Papal Institution is 
the beast power in the Bible in Daniel and Revelation. It ruled the world, you know, for 1,500 years. And to kind of back up what Mike is saying, um, Trump, when he kept on saying that everybody should take the virus, should take the vaccine, it's safe, um, that was, to me, his downfall. And in terms of the papal uh, dynasty, the Pope just a week ago supposedly said that Satan is God. So everybody had figured that the Pope came from communist leanings anyway, and they may be being proven right that he may be a new world order flunky. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's interesting. And when you consider or know that the Jesuit order is the primo de primo, they're like, you know, the 007s of the Vatican. I mean, they're, they're, they're top notch people. Um, they're, they're, they're the, uh, um, uh, that's the top uh, order in the in the uh, Catholic faith, yeah. yeah. Right. So you know, so so for Trump to have put three of them on the Supreme Court, that's like handing the Supreme Court to the to the Vatican, you know. So whatever they want, um, you know, they they they. Get. How do you know that they and, were and, Jesuits, Mike? Um. Uh, well, at the time they were put on, um, it was discussed. I remember hearing of all of them. Um, that they, they Why, did they all, go to, that all did of, they go to Catholic school and, and were taught by Jesuits? Well, How do you know that they were Jesuits? Yeah. Trump 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 went to a Jesuit university. Well again, how do you right. know that these people were? I mean, how do you know yeah. what solid information are right. right. Well I mean I at the time I I I, I had the solid information. I, I guess I should have, you know, documented that for posterity. But I just when when it came to my attention, based on a, I think a couple of my I heard it in actually in their conversations, um, it was it was like mainstream. Um, but I heard all three. Now I've also heard that all of them that are on the Supreme Court now are. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard all of them are at this point Jesuits. Um, I don't know that that's true. Really, I know that. Yeah, but I know the three he put on are. Um, you know, we've got to be careful of the same thing. Conservatives and libertarians have to be careful of the alt-right press because the alt-right press does make mistakes the same as the liberal press. We have to be able to differentiate between fact and fantasy. Okay? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What you may be saying may be absolutely true, but we have to learn how to differentiate. When we take a look at something, we have to know how to um, take, extrapolate from it the truth. If, off, if, right. if you've got five Jesuits, Jesuits on the you know, Supreme Court, that's bad news. But we have to know for yeah. sure. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, that would be actually um, uh, a good thing to actually have the verification on. You're right. Everything um, needs verification. It's what I've been saying for months. You have to be right. clear. You have to have evidence. People, you well, need I mean, to have people believe in you. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, I researched Trump and what university he went to, and he went to a Jesuit university. I know he went to oh, war. Oh, that don't mean anything. Where, I mean, where else did he go? <laughs> yeah. Well, where, where else did he go? Well, I mean, you, you, don't, you don't go to a Jesuit university <laughs> unless, you know, you're... Why? I went to, yeah, um, I, went to, I took uh, which, courses at Yale, Yale. Does that make me a skull and bones guy, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, you I mean, it's a good... Yeah. Um, it's a good comp- yeah, it's a good analogy. The thing is, is that he went to Wharton, which is not, from what I understand, a religious school. What other college did he go to? Um, 
Again, I, I read it. I read. I remember reading it. I don't remember the name. Well, I'll of take it. your word for it. I mean, Mike, I'm, I'm not doubting you. I'm just saying maybe you could be in it. You know, I'm. I don't know. I just like to. You know, <laughs> who knows? You know, he's, he's the number one public figure everything. out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing that he did, that was, which was kind of stupid. Just recently, he made this announcement. Ah, we all need a superhero, and he comes out with trading cards. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, he does put his foot in his mouth a lot. <laughs> Doesn't he, though? Oof. But, I mean, he was a great president, no doubt about it. You know. He, well, he, well he, was, he, was, he was a president who was commissioned to do things that would be considered great by true American patriots. He, you know, he, he, no president has ever, ever had rallies through their entire presidency. They have a rally to get elected. They don't have rallies through their presidency. And that's at least consistent with the notion of, hey, uh, get out there and rally the Patriots so we can see how many there are, where they are, where they're I don't buy that for a second. Pro- I don't buy that. Yeah. I mean, because I didn't go to any rallies, really. It's the way to identify. I'm not going to dismiss it. I'm not going to buy it nor dismiss it because Trump is a human being. And like any yeah. and all human beings, they are very susceptible to either bribery, extortion, or threats. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah, so he yeah, may true. he may be a, he did very good job as a president, but he may be also a double agent. We don't know. We have to find out for sure because when we we need proof in our mind so that we have the motivation to go forward. Should we support yeah. Trump or should we support somebody else or should we be the leaders? Yeah, right. Okay. It, it's ultimately yeah. it's ultimately easy enough just with the vaccine issue. Period. Bam. That's it. That's all I need. That anyway. yeah. The that vaccine. to me is especially important. You don't have a bioweapon that's out there killing a few billion people throughout the world, and then say, hey, it's safe for you Americans to go take it. That's his primary right. achievement. Is that is that war speed? And you know, and um, that oof. That to me is. Very, very, uh, very, 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 it is damning. Actually, I'll play it for you guys just for fun. Since you probably haven't seen it or heard it on my website. Fauci is supposed to be being brought up on criminal charges, I hear. Well, I hear they're investigating him. That's another thing that's just a psyop. They they make people think something's going to be done. I'll bet you now it's a donut. Nothing happens to him. (laughs) That's right. You think? Hey, buddy. He's, a, he's already retired as the highest paid civil servant in the history of the United States. He makes over $300,000 a year in his position. Or oh, may, yeah. I think, yeah. uh, right then to retire. Yeah. Okay, listen to this, guys. All right. Have fun, have fun listening to this. You're going to hear Don and... Uh, you're going to hear Don and... Um, his buddy, uh, uh, Joe. Uh, you'll hear both of the voices, and you'll hear both of them saying the same thing. Uh, here we go. Ready? We have got two minutes. a safe and effective vaccine in just nine months. The vaccines are safe. The vaccines do work, and they are effective. I recommend you take it. I did. And I took my shot publicly to demonstrate to the American people it's safe and effective. I recommend take the vaccines. I get it. It's good. Take the vaccines. The vaccine works, but yeah. some people are, I tell you, the ones, the ones that get very sick and go to the hospital are the ones that don't take the vaccine. The answer is straightforward. 
if you're not fully vaccinated, you have good reason to be concerned. And if you do get it, it's a very minor form. People aren't dying when they take their vaccine. I, in addition to that, got the shot. I got the Pfizer. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized. You're not going to be an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. It works incredibly well, 95%, maybe even more than that. It works incredibly well. I promise you, they are safe and effective. Listen to Dr. Fauci. You know, we're pretty good at making things uh, in, in, in a way that spontaneously becomes effective. Lock your show is scheduled to start in two minutes, two seconds. All right. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Please hold and you will be able to listen to the show. You guys hear that? Yeah, hang on a second. Mike, I'm trying to connect to Liberal Dan here. Yeah, I heard that. I can't press one. Hopefully, we've got two minutes here. Nah, if you press one, it's not going to do anything now. The show, his show hasn't started yet. It'll start in two okay. minutes. Because um, that's what the Australian chick said. You know, it'll start in two minutes. Hello. So um, they gave you the two-minute warning. Hello, Dan. Uh, somebody answered. Yeah, um, I'm just checking to make sure to see. This, is this Joseph? Yeah, this is Joseph right here. Yes, sir. All right, perfect. I just, I just brought you into the room. I'm, I'll, I guess we'll start immediately then. <laughs> All right. I'm here, brother. All right. Let's do cool. it. All right. About a, about a minute. Yes, sir. All right. Cool. All right. All right, guys. Whoever's on the line with me, just kind of stay silent if you can. Yeah, I'm going to put myself on mute. All right. The announcement again, and then you two guys will be simulcast. Good going, yeah, Joe. Yeah. I'm glad you got a debate with this guy. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. was the night before Christmas when all through the land, Fox News warned its viewers of a dastardly plan. The liberals were launching their war on the season to get rid of Christmas and commit acts of treason, removing decorations out of their sight, and telling you that Santa and Jesus ain't white. Environmentalists will come right after your soul. They hate all things Christmas, especially the coal. They'll sneak in your house all dressed in their flannel, and instead give the bad kids some new solar panels. They'll take up all decorations that please us. They'll even go after tiny baby Jesus. Now all these fox lies cause such a frustration. Who would save us all from this misinformation? When live from the net, there came lots of chatter. Could it be old St. Nick, or perhaps someone fatter? Broadcasting from New Orleans down in Louisiana, it was none other than liberal Dan, coming to save the holiday season, busting through their lies with facts, logic, and reason. But I cannot do it myself, he exclaimed. So he called other groups, each one by name on Christians, on Muslims, on Wiccans, on Jews, on Hindus and Buddhists, and atheists too. Let us all spread the word and tell them indeed that there's no war on Christmas, just one on greed. So instead of joining this manufactured fight, listen to Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left, 
That's right. Right now, we have Joseph, uh, Joseph Gibson from Gibson Media. Uh, he's been on the show once before, and he also uh, has been in our chats before. And I think we had some confusion about time zones, but we're starting off right away, apparently. So here we go. Welcome, Joseph. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. And we are simulcasting with my show, Understanding the Times in Which We Live Today, Restoring Our Republic, Gibson Media. You're correct. Thanks for that, and I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, you're welcome to my, the link to your show. Your is on my page on Blog Talk Radio, same thing. Um, I think yours is also pointed to mine or whatever. But, yeah, we are doing a simulcast, so it's uh, both on my Blog Talk Radio and his Blog Talk Radio, as well as streaming on YouTube as well. So uh, you can sure. join us in, I guess, any of the chats, although if you're in his chat, I'm not going to see his. If you're in my chat, he might not see mine. So <laughs> it is what it is. One of Blog Talk's uh, oh, wait, uh, oh, wait, followers. It, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, what was that? Yeah, I kind of echoed those words there. It is what it is. But uh, uh, I don't know how you want to begin here uh, as far as the you know policy. I think we got into a good conversation in your last podcast there. But, you know, um, I believe you were attacking Trump a, a great deal, and I brought up the, the issue of, look, let's look at the facts here in, in America right now. Let's look at the Republican versus the uh, Democrat policies. Or we can just go right off the bat here and you attack what Trump had done, and you do it often, of uh, – uh, his, his recent achievements of what he has done during his presidency before he runs again, which I, he is going to run again. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up is that since we're always attacking his his uh, this notion that he's a racist, uh, Trump's a racist, a neo-Nazi, uh, you know, Trump signed three bills to benefit na- the Native people. You know, one gave them uh, compensation to the Spokane uh, tribe for the loss of their lands in the, in the mid-1900s. Uh, one funds uh, Native... Uh, language programs, and the third gives federal uh, recognition to the little uh, shell tribe, to the uh, Chippewa Indians in Montana. Uh, That's just one example of uh, Trump's so-called massive racism. Um, Would you like to comment on that? What year year did that that pass? What year did that pass? Uh, I believe it was in uh, 2019, I believe. Okay, so we did that with the Democratic Congress, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Okay, so... And um, was he pushing for those things to be in those bills in order for them to get done? Or did he, since the president doesn't have a line on a veto, uh, was it something that the Democrats put in the thing and he, he wanted to sign the overall bill? So he just accepted those monies as part of the overall general bill? Or was, was it a standalone? I don't know well, about well, the bill well, itself, it was a bipartisan, but it's it was, Well, it was a bipartisan effort in, in, you know, in the Congress to, for those bills to be pushed. But, the, but what I'm trying to point at is if Trump is such a racist, why wouldn't he just veto that? You know, I mean, why would he allow and sign that bill in 2019? Why would he do that? You know, if he's such a racist? Well, why, again, was it a standalone bill? Was it part... 
was it part of a was it part of a greater bill? Like which bill was it where the, where these things passed? Like what was the law where these three things was it separate bills individually standalone or was it part of a greater thing? I mean sometimes you know if people in in Washington often vote for or sign bills regardless of what whatever branch you're in they'll vote for those bills you know even or or sign those bills even if they don't agree with everything within the bill so i mean unless he was outwardly advocating and and saying you know the i won't do my bad imitation but if he was out there saying that he that he wanted these as part of the bill if he was out there campaigning for them sure i'll give him credit for that i've given him credit before I, on a, on a separate subject, I gave him credit on um, the a bill that will, uh, the right to try legislation about um, things that were in studies that weren't quite yet re- approved by the FDA and people who were, you know, having like cancer treatments or other serious illnesses. And, and he, he pushed for and signed this right to try legislation. I gave him credit for that. I'm, I'm more than willing to give him credit when credit is due. I just don't know how much credit he should get for this particular thing because i mean you know that he that he signed the law that put that in the that put that in into effect but i don't know how much he pushed for it i don't know if he just did it if he just begrudgingly maybe he didn't even know what was in the bill who knows well um, it was so introduced it's a hard it was inter- time giving people credit yeah it was introduced by senator okay. tom udall democrat of new mexico actually it was introduced by him so okay. uh, you know and, and so that's about as much information as i can remember on that but uh i think it was part of the the uh well i don't want to misquote myself the uh um reauthorization act i believe i'm not sure uh but i know i know it was introduced by uh tom um udall democrat of new mexico but my point again is is that if he's such a racist why wouldn't he just you know out you know pick that apart veto it why would he sign why would he sign that bill you know a racist surely would not sign a bill like that i mean especially you know when it comes to indian tribes that's just one example because since we're always attacking the fact that trump is a racist he's a neo-nazi um you know and i think that's false i mean to, to characterize him as being a racist he's not a racist i don't think he, he has done anything dur- during his presidency that would define him as being a racist other than silly comments that may have been taken out of context by the media the corporate news media, I mean, uh, like the Proud Boys comment or something like that, but uh, any acts or, or legislation or, 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 or official capacity of his job and what he did as president, he did nothing that would uh, promote uh, the idea that he's a racist. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, you, can, you put the caveat, I mean, I'm not going to agree with that. I mean, you put the caveat in there of during his presidency, I mean, I don't think his racism stops once he takes office. I mean, we can point to plenty of things that he did prior to him being, you know, being elected, like, you know, during the campaign when he campaigned on a total and complete ban on Muslims entering the country. Um, That's what he campaigned on. He might've implemented something different, but he campaigned on a total and complete ban, you know, appealing to the bigoted xenophobes in that better make up a large part of his base. He, um, you know, he's tried, you know, that's scapegoating an entire religion. he, Way way back when he had to write that two page article in the in the um, New York Times about the Central Park Five and how he thought that they were guilty even though they were exonerated. Um, he made his comments about he doesn't want um, he rather he would rather the people with the yarmulkes uh, handling his money over the black people handling his money. Like there there's plenty of racist things from his past and and leopards don't change their spots. So um, you know another. 
Okay. The racist okay. doesn't always have to be a the racist doesn't have to always do racist things 100 percent of the time, or a bigot doesn't have to always do bigoted things 100 percent of the time. Um, there are people who um, who when we had Bobby Jindal as governor of Louisiana, and a lot of and there was some very racist people who supported him, and people were like, well, that doesn't make any sense. If they're racist, why are they supporting him? And I'm like, because some people's racism is not is not hatred of people because they're not white. Some people's racism is just they like the people because he's not black. You know, like there there's there's varying form racism and bigotry comes in all shapes and sizes. And it's the idea that uh, okay. him side. I would need okay. All right, uh, if you don't mind, let's let's uh, if you don't mind, can I just switch gears then? Wait, violent crime, violent sure, crime is yeah. a problem here. Obviously, it's in the news media now. Uh, stick to issues here. Okay, while Trump was president, violent crime uh, after now when he first came into office, it was on the rise. Uh, uh, um, before he was elected, okay, and then after he was elected, violent crime, I believe it dropped. Uh, it dropped while he was in office uh, during the uh, two, actually for the first two years, it dropped. Actually, the violent crime rate, I believe, dropped steadily. Um, I believe it was 523 per 100,000 inhabitants in uh, uh, 2016, 17. Um, 432. Uh, hang on, I gotta get my numbers here. I had my notes out here. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, actually, it rose slightly in 2015, 2016, but then the general trend uh, was uh, it went downward um, after the first two years that he was in office. Actually, the violent crime. So violent crime, though, let's take it as a general of across America right now. Every single city, major city in America, has had a sharp increase in violent crime and all crime in general. Okay, uh, if you look across the board at the uh, stats, whether it be gun violence, whether it be uh, assault, any type of violence is on a sharp rise since Biden has taken office. What? How can how can the Democrats take? any type of credit for the policies that they've implemented or lack thereof since, since Biden has taken office. Uh, I mean, crime is out of control. How do we stop this? The current policies that the Democrats propose and have proposed in, while in office in the major inner cities and across America has failed. I mean, can you tell me of any policy that they've implemented in any city across America that has worked thus far, that has uh, decreased crime? Well, let, let me just let me just look. Let, let's look at the numbers for a second. So I'm looking at the U.S. murder slash homicide rate um, at, at data data from 1990 to, to 2022. Um, and yeah, in, in 2017, um, there was the first year of Trump's being in office. There was a 1.32 um, percent decline from 2016, and then in 2018 there was a 5.9 percent decline from 2017. And then the next year, there was a slight increase and went from 5.01 to 5.07, uh, 1.19% increase. And then in 2020, there was a, it was 6.52 or a 28.64% increase. So um, I would say that crime started, in, that at least with murders and homicides or whatever, uh, those started raising while Trump was still president um, and not, not after he left office. Now, um, a lot of the things that are, that are dealing with crime, you know, you have... Um, causation versus correlation. Like, for example, you're going to have big cities. Big cities are going to have crime because more crime because more people are in them. Um, and a lot of people will refer to. Um, let's see. Let's pull up this this information. Violent crime by 
city per or murder rate city per capita. Because right. a lot of people like to point to um, uh, a lot of people like well, to point let's look at the city of Atlanta. Chicago. From from 2020 to 2021, the number of murders went up by three percent, according to the Atlanta Police Department. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Um, and, and, and you know, pandemic is very hard to put a number on during the pandemic years. It kind of it's confusing. Yeah, so it kind of gets mixed. You know, I I don't want people to you know mix that up. So I, I try hold to go pre-pandemic or after. I have to change the time. I've inadvertently made a 15-minute show, so I've switched it to uh, I switched oh, okay. it to, to longer. Oh, hold on, wait. It's still still coming up as not being that. Let's see. There you go. Oh, technical difficulties. No, it's, <laughs> yes, I'm having technical difficulties. There you go. Oh, I have to hit save. There you go. Okay, now we're good. Now we're not going to end in, in All right. 30 seconds, All right. so we're good. All right. Um, <laughs> So like you know, murders in Atlanta. You know, you know, and you know, okay. You talk. You brought 1990. Very interesting because I, I actually have those stats right here in front. Of me. Murders are up by 65 percent. Yet compared to 1990, murders in Atlanta are down by 32 percent. If you're looking at that, despite steady population growth, the city's murder total. The city's murder total in 2021 was all was also roughly the same as the annual tallies in the early 2000s. Um, okay, if you look at those stats, but if you look at um, if you go. And that, uh, and what were they during the Obama administration? Okay. I don't have right. the figures. Let's what were me. they during the Obama, Obama administration? The Obama administration. Um, let's see. During the Obama administration, uh, the, the Atlanta. If you what, what do you want to talk about? Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, or nationally? Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the city of Atlanta. Okay, city of Atlanta. Okay, for example, I first pointed out in Atlanta from twenty to uh, from two thousand twenty mm-hmm. to two thousand twenty one, the number of murders went up by three percent, according to the Atlanta Police Department. Okay. Now, okay. if, if uh, so, okay, again, this is just one example of the si- violent crime in the cities across America. They're up all across every single city in America. Violent crime is up. And we know who who's elected in these most of these cities across America. It's Democrats. The Democrats and their policies of no bail, uh, 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 catch and release, um, uh, uh, emptying out the prisons. Which look, I'm all for uh, 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 prison prison control and letting people out because I believe prisons is a failed industry and, and it's and it's disgustingly disproportionate when it treats uh, different uh, races of people. And there's a lot of things there we could talk about. And that's a deep rabbit hole. But all in all, in general, the policies of the Democrats across the board have failed. They have failed. And I believe a lot of the Republican policies also get tough on crime. That's a failing, fail, locking people up, throwing away the key. I don't believe in that either. I believe there's a whole different way of going about it if I was in office. But that's not the point. The point being is that the Democratic policies are complete failure. What can you say on that? And I mean, what can what's the excuse? Or, or as you being a liberal, how can you support any Democrat across America today and the policies that they're implementing in the cities? Well, I look at violent crime and let you have a, a good long time to get that out. Uh, so violent crime, I'm looking at the stats like during the Obama administration. Um, I'm assuming it's for 100,000 people, like 120, 120, between, somewhere between 120 and 140, probably about 130 almost, maybe 125 um, per maybe 10,000 or 100,000. I'm not seeing the, the number of hundreds of thousands by the crime. But anyway, so is that 125-ish or whatever in 2009? 2010, if you get down to 2016, it was all the way down to 90, so it was cut uh, 
it was 70 it was cut by 25 percent during the obama administration and then it dropped you know a little further you know during the trump administration as well and then it started going back up during trump administration as well but nowhere near where it was in 2009 um even now even with the the increase um the other thing is that you know talk about bail and how democrats want to eliminate bail that that's not Unfortunately, I think conservatives have the wrong idea of what it means to eliminate cash bail. Uh, elimination of cash bail doesn't mean everybody goes free. Elimination of cash bail means that the, your ability to pay will not dictate your ability to get out of jail um, on like violent types of crimes. So, for example, if uh, you're a murderer, you know, and you and you are you're a millionaire, you won't get the opportunity to get bail. Just like if you were a person who was, you know, impoverished and living on the streets. Um, that's what the cash bail system is, or eliminating the cash bail system is supposed to do. It's supposed to be, it's taking away the inequities. You know, are there circumstances, you know, where um, people who are released on their own recognizance at that point who go and go back and commit another crime? Sure. And, and sometimes they go from like committing like a, a petty theft crime to something more serious, but you can't hold that you can't just assume that just because they did like a petty theft crime that they're going to not do, that they're going to do something more serious so within we have to keep them locked up and if it was somebody who was wealthy that person if you if you still had bail that wealthy person would still be able to bail out of that particular thing and that wouldn't stop them from doing some other crime as well so you know so so, so there's there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding and i think a lot of the, the the misunderstanding or the misrepresentation comes from a lot of these um conservative sheriffs who are probably getting a lot of money from the bail bondsman types folks who are going to lose a lot of money if they lose the opportunity to provide bail to people. So um, there's, there's a lot to look into with that, but I, I do think, is, are they, are, have people, have cities perfectly implemented that? No, but I don't think there's any policy that we can look at that was perfectly implemented. So, um, but Again, I don't, by, by, by making system, by having a system that makes it more likely uh, for persons of color uh, to not be able to make bail, to not to have to sit in jail longer to wait for a trial, and then to have um, all the other problems that come with being um, poor in this country, and black people are disproportionately poor in this country, you end up having a, a cyclical form of, of justice that just funnels these people in and out of prison instead of working on things like um, making sure that they don't commit crimes again. And, and, and trying to give them up more opportunities. Um, and, you know, a lot of these, these, lot of these cities that are, that are, quote, blue cities are in red states. Um, so a lot of the times the red states handcuff what these cities can do. They crack down on the, on, they want to limit the power of what cities can do because they want to have, they want to have control at the state level to, to, to stop the, quote, so-called liberal policies. Well, what would be – okay, well, okay. Well, you danced around that question pretty well, and, and, and you gave a vice versa or, 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 or a kind of like a, a question and answer kind of like I did. So I'll give you credit there. But the point being then, so what do you think as a liberal or, or supporting Democrats, what should the Democrats do to stop this increase in violence across America right now? Well, there's two things. There's long-term things and short-term short, – yeah. Excuse me. Short-term things we need to do. Long-term things is we need to give more opportunity. We need we need to make sure that we provide more opportunities so that people can elevate themselves out of poverty because higher power, higher crime rates go right along with higher poverty rates. So the more poverty you're going to see, the more crime you're going to see. Um, 
you know, I, I am not a um, I, while I understand a lot of the arguments and I agree with a lot of the arguments of the uh, ACAB folks, you know, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not like against police, but I'm very critical of police when police do bad. I think there are, I think police is needed at, at local state and federal levels to, to enforce the laws. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of police who we have, we've seen who have done wrong or have covered up for those who did wrong. Um, I think we we need holistic approaches for, on both sides. I think we need to be more, you know, involved in the schools. We need to make sure that people have opportunities to 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 to, to where they're not just committing crimes for fun. Like I mean, there's there's been rashes of crimes in New Orleans where it seems like they're just doing it for fun, and people are getting murdered and killed from it. I, mean, I live in New Orleans. New Orleans is a very high crime city. Um, I just don't think again you, you said you know tough on crime is also not a great thing and we agree on that a lot of times back in the 90s i think people believed tough on crime was was the smart thing to do but you know just locking people up and throwing them okay isn't helping the poverty issue isn't helping people uh to, to to it's not stopping the cycle um i don't have all the answers on what they should do but i haven't seen policy proposals from republicans who, who run like there was no Republican who ran for the city, mayor of city of New Orleans, for example, that I saw that had any good ideas for how to fix the violent crime problem in New Orleans. Okay, all right. So, so, but you, so you say more government is the answer, more, more involvement for the government to get involved in our, in our, in our schools, for instance, for just one example, would would, would help. Uh, I, I mean, I have to disagree. I would be less government and and allowing the people to uh, less regulation, so people and entrepreneurship, uh, so people can be more creative and have more freedom and liberty to produce and create. That would create opportunity. But more government with restriction and regulation and influence in governmental programs clearly doesn't work because we see that already with the democratic policies, with the increase in social services, food stamp programs, you know, uh, welfare supposedly to work programs. That, that fail, you know, because uh, they never go back to work because there's no jobs to go back to work to. You have Dollar General jobs, McDonald's jobs. Uh, so, you know, so I would believe that, and that's because there's a lack of business and entrepreneurship and creativity in these cities because of government intrusion, intrusion in our lives with regulation, with uh, uh, restrictions, licensing. It's just uh, totally, it, it's absurd. I believe that the creativity and freedom of people is what can create jobs, real jobs, and and, and free up the private sector, and I believe that would be the answer to creating more opportunity in these cities. Um, I think I have to disagree with that. On, uh, if you look at um, USDA.gov, uh, a recent um, analysis finds that during slowing economy, $1 billion in new SNAP benefits lead to an increase of $1.54 billion in gross domestic product, 54% above and beyond the new benefits. So there are benefits, there are helps, that can happen from food stamps and other government assistance that come on. Now, I wasn't necessarily saying that all of the actions that have to be done at the local levels or at the statewide level has to be all government sponsored. I mean, I think some of them should be. I don't believe um, in the in the negative in the, ne- the overall negative view of government that often conservatives have. I think government has a role. Government's main role is protecting people and entities from other people and entities. Um, and what more important way? Uh, to, for government to act than to pr- protect individuals from being victims of crime. So if we, if, if government needs to get involved, and I don't, I, I don't believe that, you know, the whole cliche, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Uh, if, if government got involved and, and, and helped, 
help to fund uh, more programs, be they government programs, be they uh, NGOs, be they nonprofits that are that are that are legitimate nonprofits and not just nonprofits for the sake of, you know, funneling money to rich people. Um, you, you could have many benefits to the society that will help reduce crime. Well, speaking of, you know, uh, numbers real quick, Dave, I just, I just want to make sure I pulled this up, you know, because uh, uh, of the Black Lives Matter movement and whatnot. You know, uh, the trend of pl- police shootings, the police, you brought up police corruption and whatnot, you know, uh, it, it, it's been increasing since Biden took office, actually. Uh, 993 civilians were shot, 139 of whom were black as of uh, uh, November 30th, 2022. 22. Uh, in 2021, there were 1,055 fatal police shootings, and uh, um, let's see, the number of blacks were 100 and, excuse me, 116, I believe. Uh, might have that number a little bit wrong there, but so so it's, it's definitely increasing the past couple of years as far as police shootings go, um, and and more than when Trump was actually president. So, but nothing in the media. Nothing. Why is why is Black Lives Matter not dancing in the streets and marching in the streets and protesting this? Why is this not a big issue like it was when Trump was president? From the liberal community, the, the liberals out there were this was a big issue with Trump. Uh, it was because of him these shootings were happening because we have a racist president in, uh, in there, uh, and it, it, it's false. The numbers don't reflect that. You know, it's just one of the falsehoods in reporting of the media, and I just don't understand why. Why and and people jump on these band, bandwagons, you know. Again, I just wanted to bring that back up with you know with the Trump thing, uh, and the numbers on Trump. Um, but, but one other thing I wanted to bring up about Trump: uh, Trump signed a bill making CBD or uh, hemp legal. Okay, uh, that was part of the farm bill in 2018. So uh, you know he does again. That's that's kind of like liberal a liberal way of thinking there. He also signed into law. Um, to, to make cruelty to animals a federal felony. Uh, that, that was a bipartisan group in Congress that uh, also deserves credit to that, so I'm, I've got to tell the truth here. But Trump signed that. Signed that. Uh, one of the uh, things that he did during his presidency. Trump finalized the creation of Space Force as our sixth military branch. Um, you know, and uh, military, military leaders publicly opposed its creation, including uh, uh, Trump's Secretary of Defense, James Mattis. Uh, you know, so, but, uh, again, you know, this was, this is something, you know, one of his achievements, uh, in office. Um, you know, so the list of Trump's accomplishments, I want to get back to that real quick, uh, are, are great. I mean, uh, you were doing a show last week and you, I mean, you uh, people were tearing him down in the chat room. Trump didn't do anything as president. And, and tell me something, what has, and real quick, one more thing. Trump signed a law ending the gag orders on pharmacists that prevented them from sharing money-saving information. Okay. Um, uh, okay uh, so well, what has that. Biden... That's a fine thing. I have no problem with that. Okay. Well, Biden, so has, Biden, Biden went one step further on marijuana. Biden went ahead and one step further and basically, and basically has started the process that is required to uh, decriminalize marijuana as a whole and not just CBD. Um, and that would, that, that's going to probably go a very long way into working to decriminalizing it across the country because once it stops being a scheduled substance, um, which they have to follow the law to do several things to decertify it, if Congress isn't going to automatically do it by law, um, that, you know, that, that's the one positive thing. And, and hopefully that will prevent 
a lot more of needless arrests because people shouldn't be arrested for simply smoking a drug, um, et, et cetera. So, uh, all right. Well, what about the low wages? Workers are benefiting uh, from higher minimum wages uh, and, and from corporations that are increasing entry-level pay, pay uh, uh, when Trump was president. Uh, let's see. Uh, that was one of Trump's accomplishments, uh, higher state and local minimum wages. Uh, um, well, let's see. Um, um, let's see here. Trump signed the biggest right. wilderness protection and conservation bill in a, in a decade and uh, designated 375,000 acres as protected land. Um, uh, Trump signed the Save Our uh, Seas Act, which funds 10 million pure, uh, excuse me, 10 million per year to clean tons of plastic and garbage from the ocean. He signed a bill um, uh, in his last year, I believe, as presidency, allowing some drug imports from Canada so that prescription prices would go down. Um, just one more. Meanwhile, Trump meanwhile on the other side of the coin, um, but, but on the other side of the coin, Trump you know, also was pushing the Keystone Pipeline, something that's that was going over indigenous land, something that was you know you know going over you know harming indigenous people by by t- t- seizing their land for something that wasn't even going to benefit our domestic supply of oil because all the Keystone Pipeline extension is going to do is bring the oil down the Houston so it could be refined and then shipped out of the country to take advantage of tax benefits. So. You're, so you're saying that would that, that helped America the shutting down of the Keystone pi- pipeline that would that help that benefited America. I mean that 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 would stop the harm that was that he was that he was doing that would have been done to the indigenous tribes or that was in the middle of being doing to the indigenous people who he was just tramp he was he was allowing these corporations to trample over. Um, what do you mean his corporations? Now, what do you mean his corporations? What corporations? Well, what US corporations were his? U.S. corporations. The corporations he was being supportive of by by allowing them to but to uh, build pipeline over indigenous lands instead of saying, hey, maybe you need to find a different place to put your pipe. Well. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. I think uh, the, the killing the, the Keystone Pipeline was a very was disastrous. You know, uh, uh, um, I can give you. Uh, 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 how would how would the oil that was brought from the Keystone Pipeline have helped the country? Okay, building the Keystone Pipeline, opening up the uh, the tar sands. Uh, uh, they said what was it will negative impact national and local economies. Right? That's false. That, that's totally false. Um, let's see. Uh, by NYU uh, Law School Environmental Law Center estimates, uh, actually it would uh, actually uh, uh, increase the U.S. GDP by 2.5 percent. Uh, at the same time, local economies uh, would uh, it would affect the local economies uh, in those areas that and help the less dependency on fossil fuels from foreign nations by uh, let's see, it would put an extra one billion dollars. Uh, actually, in the uh, uh, excuse me, uh, I may have my numbers wrong on that one. I have to look over this real quick here because you threw up the Keystone there, and I got a bunch of stuff on that one. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, let's see, unemployment uh, rose actually uh, um, um, because of shutting down the uh, Keystone pipeline. Uh, what was it? Uh, Vermont went from 731 to 1,331 in uh, two weeks uh, after Hurricane Katrina wiped out 129,000 jobs in New Orleans, uh, nearly 20% for the U.S. economy as a whole. Um, uh, U.S. Ta- this, it will cost the U.S. taxpayers, what I'm trying to get to, is $52 billion in, in, in 10 years by shutting down the Keystone Pipeline. Okay? Um, uh, 
uh, you said uh, it disproportionately affects. I mean, the, it, uh, it might increase in, GDP. Well, look, it might increase GDP. That doesn't mean it's going to help the, the the everyday citizen. It's just going to help the fat cats. It's going to help the help the oil industry get more money. That's going to increase the GDP of the of, of the domestic product of you know by by increasing the profits of the of the people who are benefiting from the um by the refinement and exporting of, of oil. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's that it's it's helping us in any way, shape, or form. It's going it's going out to other countries. It's not. It's not, not increasing not the domestic really. product at all. It's not helping us. It's not helping us being energy independent, like conservatives like to claim. Uh, these things are going to do. So you're saying so? So uh, so let, let, let's just say this here: a study, a study uh, for energy economics developed a transition scenario for the electric power industry based on reducing energy consumption, phasing out high emission power plants, and building new lower emission energy facilities. The study estimated the number of job ye- uh, job years one new worker employed for one year that would be created by the transition scenario over a decade: 444,000 job job jobs for construction workers equivalent to 44,400 construction worker jobs full time for the entire decade that that's quite a differential in job uh, job base by uh, knocking out the keystone pipeline and going to uh this so-called electric power uh, or windmills um let's see 3.1 million indirect jobs for people um designing and manufacturing delivering materials and jobs in local economies around the country induced by spending by workers hired in the transition scenario. So uh, I, I don't see how shutting down the pipeline by – you're talking about affecting these lands. I don't have the numbers on the indigenous people lands, uh, how it affected the few lands that you say it, affect, it affected. But um, I wish I had the numbers on that. I remember reading something about that. But the Keystone Pipeline, shutting how, that how down with a definite – How few is okay? How few is okay to be harmed to benefit the many? Well, look, uh, I mean, we're going to – everyone can't be happy. I mean, I don't have the answer to that as an individual, but sometimes we have to look at something in a whole as a country. What's better for the country in a whole? Surely those people that uh, uh, may have been – bothered by the Keystone Pipeline or maybe or, or may have lost land, we're going to be compensated. Like I said, I don't have the numbers on that, so I can't speak for facts on that, but you're telling me the few that, that may have been inconvenienced by the Keystone Pipeline, it's not better to have the benefit of the country in a whole in the long run where everyone will make out? Because everyone will make out and let me, let everyone would benefit. If the Keystone Pipeline was going to be going through a large Christian cemetery, do you think that you would see conservatives making the same arguments where it's like, oh, well, they're just being inconvenienced, you know, they're just being inconvenienced so that we can, we, it doesn't matter that they're going through the cemetery that let's, you know, forget that, forget that, forget that there are people that are buried there, you know, because we like to, you know, protect the, 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 those burial sites. But for some reason, if it's indigenous burial sites, we don't care. I mean, do, do, you, well, do, you, do you think do you think that do you think that do you think that people would be making the same argument if it was going through a, a Christian burial site, if it was going through a Christian graveyard on the back of a church? I, 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 if they had I to tear, can't if they had to tear down I, a church, do you think you can't answer that? Uh, but it's probably I, I don't I don't think you would you would see the same. Um, oh, let, it's just okay. These these are just a few people being intervened. People would pitch a fit. People would absolutely pitch a fit because the, the, the even though it's a minority of people being affected, those people are part of the majority, and therefore 
they're gonna they're gonna be oh my god you're you're desecrating a, a Christian burial site. But now because it's because you're desecrating indigenous burial sites, we don't care as a country. We we uh, we do that now. I have a question. I do have a, a regular person who is one of my okay. supporters who is on who is on hold. Um, no, this is going to okay. you know this is just supposed to be between us two. Would you like? Would, are you okay no, with him coming no, on and making a point? I don't mind at all interacting. No, I don't mind interacting with your uh, fan base all right. at all. Actually, no. Cool. All right. Well, here comes uh, Demonox. Uh, thank you, first liberal animator patron. Shouts out to Demonox. Um, sorry for making you wait so long, but I did want to get to the end of that sort of end of conversation and then make sure that he was okay with adding more people. So I didn't, I didn't want to be seen as piling on. So we are fine. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, not a problem. And uh, fair warning. I, I, I'm Italian. I talk over things. So uh, don't take it as a personal rude insult. If you start talking, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. It, it's just, it's just me. Um, okay. So, Trump and job losses. Uh, he had that graph about how in May of 2020, he has this huge job gain. He, he puts out that graph about like the different, you know, the ups and downs and stuff. April in 2020 had the largest job, job loss in U.S. history. Just the largest. It's like when you have the top three job losses in all of history, he's in there. Now, I'm not one for a huge fan of Biden. Ask Dan. I mean, I'm, I'm liberal, progressive, but I'm like, I'm like, grr, Biden is not enough for me. Um, Basically, he says F Biden, too. He curses yeah, out Biden I, I just about Biden. as much as he curses out Trump. Exactly. So, but I also – so one of the things is I am a firm believer in don't blame the people even you can't stand for crap they have no actual control over. Now – Biden's impact on crime has as much impact as Trump technically had over that job loss. A global pandemic hit, knocked everything out of commission. And yeah, I mean, there was the whole thing about him like misleading the country about, um, you know, the, the potential devastation. And he says it was to protect us, to keep us from panicking. But he also said it's about the numbers. So there's a level of accountability there. Um, but the, the pandemic was going to hit regardless. That's why the CEO of Disney stepped down. He saw the writing on the wall. He's like, I got to get out of here. He put somebody else up to take the fall for the massive losses of income that Disney suffered. But I digress. Ultimately, that job loss was going to hit no matter what. So to say that Biden is responsible for the crime increase that is happening, which, by the way, isn't, isn't quite the numbers you say it is, and out of the top 20 uh, highest crime rates in the country, the majority of them are actually in red cities. Um, when you go by per capita, when you go by just numbers, the big cities like New York, Chicago, and Dan, Liberal Dan has gone on this several times on his show before, uh, by pure volume, by pure numbers, these big, giant, highly densely populated cities have much higher numbers because there's so more people in them. But per capita, you are much more likely to get murdered in a small town in Tennessee than you are in Chicago, just per capita. That's, that's an actual rate. Um, but Biden's impact on this is, is about as accountable as Trump's actual impact on the job loss. I hate them both. Uh, I hate Trump way more than I hate Biden because uh, Biden sometimes does things that I like because he's kind of leftish to me. Um, but yeah, holding him accountable for that is just is just silly. And as far as there's only one more thing that I wanted to comment on, it's more of a question because you say we should get the government out of things, we should get the government out of schools. 
um, and make it more like, you know, private sector and all that. How many CEOs have the public elected? How many CEOs the public has elected? Well, that, that yeah, the public yeah, shouldn't yeah. be elected. I don't know how many. The general public should not be electing CEOs. What do you mean by that? I don't understand. Uh, I mean, if you okay. shop at Walmart, well, then no, I, mean, I guess I you just... help elect the CEO of Walmart. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you mean by that. Okay, so, so like we're so you you definitely agree that like probably zero, unless you count like the the public poll that Musk just took about whether or not he should step down or not. That might count as us unelecting a CEO. Um, but for the most part, the public doesn't. So the government is for the people, of the people, and by the people. So we elect people. So CEOs and private sectors and private schools who are run by private interests aren't really serving us, the public, and benefiting us, the public. They're benefiting themselves with whatever they want. Certain things, certain things for the people, of the people, by the people. Education serves us better when we get to actually take part in it more directly. Not to say that there aren't private schools that actually have, you know, student uh, uh, parent involvement and stuff like that, but they don't have to. They're not required to. They're not obligated to. And I'm on a two-faced part, two-part thing, and you may or may not agree with me on this one. I think for the most part, government shouldn't get in the way of business for the most part. But I also believe when business proves that they cannot be trusted and they do things like crash the economy, crash the housing market, crash the banking system, that is when the government should step in and say, you know what? You lost your privileges. We need to regulate the hell out of this. Well, the government – hang on, hang on. Excuse me. Hang on. The government – the government – the government is not – first of all, are you, you're confusing the Federal Reserve with the government. The Federal Reserve is really – is what institutes monetary policy that really – does the booms and busts of the, of the economy in America, the central bankers. Uh, through the fractional reserve banking schemes that they have, that I mean, the money, you know, modern money mechanics. They don't, you know, understand that or not. But that, that's really the Federal Reserve that really controls the, uh, the 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 economy. Now, the policies that are implemented by our politicians are are, are the restrictions that are are suppressed upon us, the people, uh, and, and we suffer from those. The Federal Reserve is really. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I definitely them. agree with that. I was just kind of using the monetary aspect of it because that seemed to be kind of like a, a point of like how things hit financially. Um, but in terms to policy that just, just when the corporation does something that environmentally screws us up, when they deliberately hid uh, the effects of medications that cause like massive heart attacks and tons of people like thank Pfizer for making the vaccines and all that stuff, but also the heck with Pfizer for hiding and covering up so many hundreds of patients deaths they knew about. Just stuff like that. Government needs to regulate things when companies screw up and harm the public. I think that's when government needs to step in. And I think that the state of most corporations right now have proven the companies don't care about the people. And I mean, that's the, that's the problem with end stage capitalism is it is all about the short term money game. If companies cared more about the people than the public and keeping people alive and happier and all that stuff and paid better – if I got paid more money, I would spend more money in stores. If I get paid less money, I've got less money to spend. So it's a facto pay more people more money. And yes, costs go up a little bit, but also much more flowing of money. But short-term cost goes up. I think that the problem with deregulating things, and Trump was heavy into deregulating, is it takes the people's ability to vote for policy change on how these giant massive corporations 
that are all congealing together, and we have we have less ability to vote with our dollars now because if you don't like a show, you can't boycott Disney because Disney owns three quarters of all like TV, not literally three quarters, but you know what I mean. Uh, you want a different cell phone service, you th- you've got three telecom companies now. You can't really vote with your dollars to the same extent that we used to be able to anymore. That level of interactive dollar democracy is basically being stripped. And without some level of us being able to have policy to interact over that, which policy equals government, we have no other way to rein in control when these companies do bad things. And we can't just trust that they have our best interest in heart. I don't trust the government has our best interest in heart all the time either because you don't get elected for thinking about everyone else all the time. A lot of people (laughs) you get elected because you're thinking about yourself. A lot of politicians are like that. But I trust the government just a little bit more than I trust the corporations. Wait, let me let me throw my okay. piece there real quick, just because I wanted to add something to what he said there. Because take for example the Macondo um, oil well disaster, the 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 the, the uh, explosion of the oil ring in the Gulf that killed 11 people, um, and it was really harmful to the industry of like seafood industries of Louisiana, other people living on the Gulf Coast. Um, when they went, did it, went and did the investigations, and Obama put a moratorium on new drilling in the Gulf, you know, until they could figure out what, what was going on, um, and conservatives cried foul. It turned out that these people, like they, they all kind of submitted the same disaster emergency response plan, as like you know Chevron and 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 BP and um, Exxon, Shell. All of these big oil companies have all submitted. Um, disaster plans on what you would do and who you would contact in the event of a uh, who would you contact in an event of a disaster and all of them listed the same person and that person was dead Um, and then it turned out that you know the oil disaster what could have happened and those 11 lives could have been saved uh, had the BP decided to put in like I think maybe a, a part that was maybe $250,000 or maybe it was even $50,000. I don't know. It was an expensive part, you know, looking at for the, for when we look at things, but you know, that if they would have just spent that a little bit more money uh, for the safety of the people who worked for them and the safety of the people or of the, of the security of the jobs of the people around them, um, they, you know, we could have avoided that disaster. Um, and when it, when these companies act like this, they prove that they can't be trusted, and as such, the government needs to take proactive steps to make sure that they're dotting all their I's and they're crossing all their T's, and they're making and they're and they're actually doing what needs to be done to protect the people around them. Again, an ounce of pre- pre- prevention is worth a pound of cure. And sure, you can't stop everything ahead of time, and that you know there should be enough of a legal threat that these corporations and that the people that run these corporations are going to have to suffer financially if they don't do the right thing. But currently there's not because we have conservatives who are trying to, who have tried to and have successfully um, capped lawsuits, capped the amount of money that you can gain by, by suing somebody civilly. And also you have, you have this corporation you know, art, artificial corporation thing that allows p- these people to just make money hand over fist and not worry about all of the issues. And then, you know, let the company die. They have their golden parachute. They make their tons of money. Cause again, and you know, everyone worries about the short term because in the long term, everyone's dead. So 
that's why we need more. And we need, we need it to come from the federal government because a, a city is not going to be able to, to be able to regulate a big giant corporation like Shell okay. or Entity. Okay. Well, not going right. well, to be able to do it. not going to be it. The feds have to do it. All right, federal regulation. Despite the prevalence of small businesses, the Chamber of Foundations review of the literature finds that the federal regulations and their infrastructure are growing and have a disproportionate impact on small businesses and free enterprise in America. Federal regulations alone are estimated to cost the American economy as much as $1.9 trillion a year in direct costs, lost productivity, and higher prices. The costs to smaller businesses with 50 employees or fewer are nearly 20% higher than the average for all firms. The Rising burdens of federal regulations come amid a falling pace in new business formation. In 1980, for instance, Americans were creating some 450,000 new companies. In 2013, they formed 400,000 new firms. Despite a 40% increase in the population, our three-decade slump in firm formation, excuse me, in firm formation fell to its lowest point with the onset of the Great Recession, even with more businesses being born today. America's uh, startup activity remains below pre-recession levels. Now, that's the federal regulations. State and local regulations are also a growing burden uh, uh, also. Uh, beyond the federal level, small businesses have to deal with a maze of red tape from state and local governments to start a business, apply for a business or occupational license, hire employees, pay taxes, enforce contracts, and even close a business, regulatory complexity is death by a thousand cuts to Americans, America's small businesses. This problem is compounded by an estimated 90,000, excuse me, 90,106 state and local governments in the United States as of 2012, each with their own varied authority to proclamate rules and regulations. Their rules and complexity continue to harm America's small businesses. As a part of the Chamber Foundation's research, uh, we surveyed chamber officials in states across America, these local Chamber of Commerce leaders, many of whom work on Main Street, agreed that regulations are stifling businesses. Indeed, some would not recommend small business locate in their region due to its, its business environment. You know, uh, so regulations and licensing uh, and government in the private sector is putting a stranglehold on, on, on our uh, small business and our economy. Our small businesses create a majority of our jobs. Uh, in, in uh, this co- our country today, and I believe, and and the facts and the numbers don't lie that without with with less regulation, less licensing creates uh, a better economy for for you, me, and everyone. Uh, I mean, and Trump. I think you just was proved ad- me point. That. What's that? You just proved me a dance point. So in 1980, uh, 1980, who? When did Reagan become president? Was it 1982? Is 82 right? In 1980. No, in 1980. He was elected in 1980. He became president. He was inaugurated in 81. Okay. Yes, so yes, correct. In 1980, the economy was at a certain point, and things were working in certain ways that the economy was very – it was thriving, right? So starting after the policies of Reaganomics, the deregulations, the, the cutting of union jobs, job protections, and all that stuff, the, when the ratio of worker pay to CEO pay started – the wealth gap started exploding – Stuff started getting bad. Uh, so you got problem number one. So 1980 being when things are really, really good and now being things really, really bad, that kind of proves the point that um, conservative policy, not, not that great. We're still feeling the pain from, from those big explosions. 
the other thing is you're saying that a lot of business owners are saying that the, the environment is hostile for business owners. But the thing is, business owners now are not, are not the same as business owners in 1980. They're griping about having to well, pay Hang on a second here. In 1980, I said, it, hang on, hang on. In 1980, Americans were creating yeah. 450,000 new companies. In 2013, they yeah. formed 400,000 new firms, despite a 40% increase in population. So, so that that's that's terrible. That's that 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 uh, that that uh, that that those numbers are staggering. Yes, um, we're we're creating less companies. You said right? Yes, yeah. Well, small businesses, small businesses, small businesses. We're creating meaning. way less. So, so well, that means I, I'll, I'll jump, let me jump in on that. Time. Let me jump in on that. Sorry, but let me jump in on that because. Um, a lot of it is because of economies of scale. When you have these corporations, you know, forming like bigger and bigger and bigger, and 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 forcing small mom and pops, mom and pop shops out of the market, simply because of the fact that you know they can handle the economies of scale better, and so it becomes much more expensive to enter the market. That's one of the reasons why you're going to see um, less less business to try and compete because they're not going to be able to compete with a Walmart like on prices, so they have to maybe do something that's a little more niche and something that's going to basically say, okay, I'm going to pay for these higher prices because I get some other type of service that comes along with it that makes it worthwhile for me to buy those products from those people. Uh, so, so part of the problem is not, it's not necessarily regulation. It's the fact that you have these big corporations that, you know, deal with the kind of stuff. Now, I'm, when it comes to regulations, you know, I'm not going to say all regulations are good. There, there are some regulations that are stupid. Um, I've seen some of the stuff like on taxi companies and rideshare, you know, vehicles that, that, you know, cause I was in that industry for a little bit um, that are really ridiculously stupid um, and, and don't, shouldn't be in place and are harmful to people who are just trying to make a living. Uh, but there are also many of, of regulations are that are good and, and regulations are not bad because they're there. They're not good because they're there. Each one has to be taken within the environment in which this is implemented. Um, I'm all for looking into how, um, how regulations have a disproportionate impact on smaller businesses when it comes to their abilities to enter the market, when it comes to their ability to make a profit, ability to compete in the market. That's fine. We can do that. And if, if we can improve our regulations in such a way that enable us to be able to make it so that smaller businesses are, are, are not disproportionately affected by the rules, then we should absolutely do so. But one of the things to consider is that sometimes these small companies are not really small companies. Uh, take, for example, Edison Schwest is a company down here in Louisiana, deals with oil and shipping and stuff like that. Um, eat well, I was pointing out businesses with 100 eat. employees or less. That's what I was pointing out. That's, that's what was classified as small business. Edison Schwest is a big overall company, but each of its ships are a corporation. Each of its ships are is, is in and of itself a small business, incorporated in and of itself with – so each, even though these ships are doing business, you know, as a small for a big, large umbrella of a company of Edison Schwest, they're still small business. They're still counted under this whole idea of a small business. They have different tax ID numbers. They have you know different you know articles of incorporation for each one. Uh, if if one of these ships ends up crashing into somebody else's boat or into a pier or something, it doesn't hurt Edison Schwest. It hurts just the corporation that is that ship. 
Well, let's so, look at the policies you know, of. Well, let's 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 look at the policies of today because that's one we started off as. You know, because we the Trump, the Trump is the big thing. You know, again, Trump, Trump, because you were very hard on Trump and uh, vice versa, back and forth between the economy and racial issues. That's the big thing with Trump: racial issues. And and I didn't really finish my point earlier. Trump increased funding for historically black colleges and, and universities. Uh, by more than 14 uh, percent. The First Step Act uh, provides rehabilitative programs to inmates, helping them successfully rejoin society and not return to crime. Um, you know, uh, and it's true, the First Step Act uh, calls for the Bureau of Prisons to significantly expand these opportunities. Uh, uh, but because of a lack of funding, around 25 percent of people who spend more than a year in federal prison have not completed any program, according to the Brennan uh, Center for Justice, uh, which backed the bill. But, but you look at all the lives uh, uh, and uh, that Trump impacted by that uh, First Step Act uh, that that really was focused on minorities and, and and again racist. Trump's a racist. How? What did Biden do? What was Biden's thing? Get the tough on crime well, during his fifty years and reign in office, fifty years in public in a public uh, office, and what has he done for the minority community? You know, uh, uh, we go uh, back to you know his policies. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, how is Trump a racist? How I mean, is that defining have, a racist? Look, there, there are so many things that I've been at critical on Trump on, so I'm going to be honest here. There is more to the HBCU thing than just, you know, yes, he got more money in, in this particular action, but there was another action that kind of offset it. Um, I'm not finding it right now. I have to go back and dig it up where it was. So I'm just going to say at the moment I can't find it. Um, I'm, 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 well, it's going to take me too long. The reduction of black unemployment is, is a misleading well, it's number. Not even, it's not even that. It was, it was, it was, there was something else. Like, yes, it did one thing that made it look like he was increasing funds, but the other thing that wasn't really talked about by the conservatives um, kind of nuked the rest of it. So it, it, was, it, it was almost like a wash. It was a money uh, shift. Wait a second. The First Step Act ref, uh, reforms addressed inequities in sentencing laws that disproportionately harmed black Americans and reformed mandatory minimum, the minimums that created unfair outcomes. That's a fact. We all know that. I mean, that's one of the major issues. Well, Biden I was, was against the, that. I was talking about the HBCU. I was talking about the HBCU issue. But again, when was that passed? That was 2018. First, let's, Right. Okay. So, okay. First, let me just pull it up. Also, how many people Doing overall... Doing a couple non-racist things that? doesn't negate racism, though. Well, I'm, right, I'm exactly. just saying, I'm though, to make it's... Up I mean, you know, I'm just saying that that was the big talk is he's the racist. He divides the country. I mean, uh, you know, and I just can't see that. Why would a president do these things if he's a racist? You know, a racist is, well, is not a, going to do these things. He called a gold star family a family of potential terrorists because they well, so were what? from a Muslim uh, that's not, That doesn't define him as a racist. And so what if he wanted Muslims? Muslims. Uh, uh, he wanted to uh, uh, put restrictions on Muslims coming from countries that have supported and funded terrorism. I no, mean, no, no, surely no, no, no. we that's have to do the process. That? That's not what he campaigned on. What he campaigned on was a total and complete ban of Muslims entering this country. Temporary ban, not permanent. On, Temporary right, ban. Right, so until Temporary we figure ban. out what's going on. So, uh, 
Well, a indefinite ban, I think is a better way to put it. Until we figure out what's going on, who knows when we would figure out what's going well, on. that is one but of the federal government's jobs. It was, if, he would have said, if Donald Trump you would know. have said, I want to implement a policy like President Obama did and stopping immigration from these countries that are supporting uh, known terrorist activities around the world, <laughs> I wouldn't have said a peep about it. I would have been like, hey, that's cool. I'm fine with that. Let's move on so to the next subject. So just because he said those countries were Muslim said. and Obama didn't makes him a racist. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on. no it, it's not because he, no, it's, it's, it's no, it's intent. not that. It's because he wanted to. It's because he wasn't he wasn't pointing out those specific. He didn't say I want to ban Muslims. I want to ban people from entering this country from those Muslim controlled countries from countries that are controlled by Muslims that are also supporting exactly. domestic terrorism. He said, he said all Muslims, period. He didn't put any caveats on which country they were coming on. It could be a Muslim coming from England. It could be a Muslim coming from France. It could be a Muslim coming from, back from vacation who was an American citizen because it wasn't, you know, there, there was a concern that there, were, there was an American interpreter, I think, who was a Muslim person who wasn't a citizen, but he was a legal resident of the United States, who was not going to be let back into the country because of Trump's implemented policy. Even though, it, and because again, even even the policy he implemented targeted people who were not shouldn't have been targeted. Um, but you know, when we talk about when I criticize Trump, yes, I, I think you. While I do believe that Trump is a bigot, and and certain act, you can you can cherry pick actions that that in a vacuum don't sound bigoted. That doesn't again, as Demonok said, you don't. It doesn't eliminate the other actions that were bigoted. Like for example, I was a Kushner, his son-in-law, who he hired. Um, basically was suggesting as a policy uh, suggestion that we uh, we don't do anything about the COVID in, in, in the blue states and just allow those people to die off to give them an electoral advantage. Can uh, I get actual, but, actual data on racism, like numbers and dates? Sure. So 1973, uh, Trump and his corporation were essentially, they found evidence that they were deliberately refusing to rent to black tenants, lied to black applicants about whether or not apartments were even available. And uh, No, those apartments uh, were in predominantly black neighborhoods, and, uh, and he was refusing to rent to them, and they just happened to be black applicants. So therefore, mm-hmm. if they refused to rent to those people in that particular neighborhood, because there were specific reasons why they could not rent to those tenants. At that time, because the buildings had serious code violations, automatically they spin it to the fact that he's not renting black Americans, so therefore he's a racist. 1980, Kip Brown. 1989, the Central Park Five. 1991, what about the Central Park Five? Hang on, what what do you what do you mean? I I don't I don't know what happened there. What are you saying? 1989. Uh, the two-page letter that Donald Trump wrote to the Times, to the to the uh, New York Times, complaining about the fact that the Central Park Five were exonerated because he was insisting that they still must be guilty, despite the fact the, that, um, you know, that they were exonerated and they were found to be not guilty. Well, yeah. I don't know the specifics DNA, of that uh, one case, but you know, yep. I mean, I don't 1991, know. <laughs> 1991, and quote from him: "Black guys counting my money, I hate it. The only kind of people I want counting my money are short guys that were yam- I can't pronounce it. Yeah, Dan, you know the word. Yeah, yeah, every day. Oh, yeah, I just yeah. it was spelled that way. Okay, I think that guy is lazy, and it's probably not his fault because his laziness is a trait in blacks. It really is. And I this is a quote that, that came tr- from control. Donald Trump. You're saying this is a quote that Donald Trump himself yeah. said, not 100%. not a reporter that interpreted it. 
Okay. Well, no, like no, I said, like, I... they literally quoted it. It's, it's like, so he might just be the kind of person, like, I don't like Kanye. Kanye says racist stuff and it's dangerous. Trump might be, have that weird thing where he has no brain-to-mouth filter and maybe he doesn't intend or think about the stuff that he's saying or maybe he doesn't perceive it to be racist or whatever, but the impact is the problem. And and even if I pretended that a lot of these things were just, you know, kind of off the cuff or like as they excused his uh, really derogatory sexual comments as locker room talk, when you campaign on it, when you make your policy dog whistling to things like going after the Mexicans coming over from Mexico, even if he's going, well, I'm going to make a policy that's going to make it harder for the bad people to come in and make it easier for the good people to come in. He campaigns on the fear that the bad people are coming from Mexico. He campaigns on the fear and the hatred of the of the Muslim people. And racism and bigotry are two different things. Bigotry is the belief, uh, the personal hatred belief, or that that's a bigotry. Racism is a system of oppression. It's it is the aspect is the the outcome. And by Donald Trump being a racist, it is because he is a person who is implementing racist policy. He's he's helping. No, whoa, 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 racist policy. Hang on. You just said it right there. Okay, well, that's aside from comments. You said implemented racist policies. What racist policies did he implement? Racist policy can have anything to do with economic points to uh, redlining, which, you know, obviously redlining way before, but he did have a a lot to do with uh, uh, realty. Huge thing in realty. So racist policy impacts. Uh, whoa, 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 not hang on. Again, <laughs> what policies, oh, while pre- as president of the United States of America, did he implement or try to implement that were oh, racist? Okay. So actually, weirdly enough, the Muslim ban, which keeps changing the name from. If you compare the countries that were banned to the country that he wanted to put the ban on to the countries that the people were actually coming from, they were not the same. There was actually, uh, and I wish I had the map in front of me right now. Um, but there is a substantial difference of a number of com- countries that if he was actually concerned about terrorism, he would have banned them, but he didn't, and countries that were blocked that weren't. And I got – I don't have the Google in front of me, but like, that's just one of them. Kids in cages really screwed up. So when you come over the border and you're requesting amnesty, you have to be in the United States to be allowed to request that. It's actually it's, – it's part of our laws. But we're supposed to allow you in, see if you qualify, and then if you don't, then you go back. Preventing people from being allowed to cross in order to ask for amnesty is actually kind of against our laws, um, well, but and well, based look, specifically on their country of origin. Like we didn't have the countries that border. Trump wanted to ban. You said you didn't have the map up. Hang on, you said you didn't have the ban up. There's he wanted to ban Muslims coming from Venezuela, and it wasn't just Muslims; it was all citizens coming from there at the time. And then, and then there was a strenuous, strenuous uh, uh, look and vetting process on Muslims. Okay, and that was Libya, Syria, Iran, Yemen, Somalia, and North Korea. I would say those countries, pretty much a lot of the leaders there, don't like us, and and they sponsor. You know, terrorist, terror, terrorism. So therefore, the people coming over there, from there at the time, he had to put a temporary ban. Now, I know you call it a permanent ban, However, but surely nothing's permanent in America. I mean, you know, everything Trump could be looked at and reviewed. had refused to redesignate. Well, I said it was indefinite. I said it was indefinite because there was no, there was no set, you know, time and place yeah. where where it was going to end. It was just and, a a hypothetical when we figure out what's going to go on. Yeah. 
I understand. And don't forget, the Supreme Court upheld the administration's travel ban, too, five to four. So is is the Supreme Court all racist, too? I mean, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) so, you know, the administration, you know, I mean. There's racist problems, obviously. I mean, it raises, everybody has their own internal racism. Every single person in the world, whether we want to admit it or not, we all have it. So, yeah, there, there is. Some people, just a lot more than others. The difference between the Trump's ban and previous bans were there was no redesignation. People were trapped. Uh, It was basically just rapidly thrown out there. The map was redrawn three different times. I believe it was was the second or the third one that the Supreme Court upheld because the first one or two were just not good. Well, Um, well, well, let's look at some of these countries that he banned this. Hang on. The reason why he banned Syria, this was the reason the majority were Muslim, the restriction most Syrian nationals will be barred from entering the U.S. Reason, failure to cooperate with the U.S., including public safety and terrorism-related information. I think that's a pretty good reason. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, so, I mean, that's just one country, Syria, right there. I mean, you're looking at national security. You're looking at the security and safety of this country, which is the president's job, one of the jobs that they're supposed to be doing, the federal government, actually. And, you know, um, Why is so there a I, Mexican border for protect us from terrorism and drugs, but no Canadian border? When most of the drugs come into the country from... Uh, well, how airplanes? many cartels, how many Canadian cartels are there in Canada that, that, that are kidnapping people and beheading them and shipping tons of cocaine from the border of Canada? Do you know of any? Can you name any Canadian cartels? Do you, no. do you have to be a Canadian cartel in order to in order to cross the Canadian, Canadian border into he America? Asked a, he, he asked me a reason. Why was there is there a ban on the Mexican border and not Canada? Well, like I said, because Canada because is, doesn't have any cartels. The the majority of drugs come in through airports, not trucks. No, I don't think trucks. so. And, I don't and think so. And even if the Biden um, administration has stopped more drugs from coming into this country than the Trump administration. There, there, that is a, more a drugs, number. Because that, more people are coming over the border, so more there's going to be more stops and more seizures. If, I, if only 1,000 people come over the oh. border during Trump's administration, but well, then 10,000 come over during Biden's, obviously there's going to be more arrests and more stoppage. Is that of, really of because there right? are more people coming over the border, or is it really because Trump – like, look. Here's remember during I wanted to get this to this point anyway, so let's make this point now because remember okay. when, when Trump said to Woodward that he downplayed the threat of COVID um, because he he like he basically Trump always likes to sugarcoat things he likes to whitewash them he likes to, Donald Trump doesn't want to he doesn't want people to see like the real numbers because of how the quote optics will, will make him look so he wanted to slow down testing because if you if you have more testing you have more cases even though there's just as many people. If you had zero testing or everyone tested, there would be just the same amount of people who were being who were sick. So why would I why wouldn't I believe that Trump didn't act the same way on the border? Trump wouldn't necessarily want to stop as much drugs from coming off the border because he, then he'd have to report that more drugs were crossing the border. Trump's policies dealt more with dealing with the low hanging fruit of like the people who were maybe here in violation of our border policies, but yet not doing anything else wrong. Like he, he was going out, oh, look, I can get these people and kick them out and I can get these people and kick them out, you know, but, you know, that, that, was, that was his, like, oh, this, this is for show. This is, this is showing them that I'm doing all this stuff, but I don't believe for a second that Donald Trump wanted to stop more drugs from crossing the border because if he stops more drugs from crossing the border and, and, and caught them, then 
he would have to report that, and then people would say, oh, we'll do what they're doing with Biden right now, and saying, oh, well, Biden has stopped all these, so therefore, it, it, it's, it's confusing causation and correlation. If, if, That's the if, same if with the Biden police report is, number, actually, that he just gave earlier. Well, um, about I, how I don't know if anybody – uh, if you don't mind, I don't know if there's anybody on my end on my platform right now that maybe want to ask a quick question of you. I'm not sure if there is. Uh, put your hand up, guys, because I do have an open board here. Or if there's a, a – I think there's a 914 number that might want to ask. I'm not sure if Joe is. Joe, are you out there? Or if, or if I don't know if my friend, the doctor – I also have somebody else. I think, I think I might have yeah. an idea of who this person is who's waiting on hold for about 12 minutes okay, now. He sure. might be my friend from Atlanta. Let me, let me bring him okay, on real sure, quick and, and, sure. and see if that's my friend from Atlanta. Am I right? Is that you? Uh, I'm not from uh, Atlanta. No. Okay. Sorry. Okay. There you go. Fine. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you can let them on if you want. Right, I mean, so if they want to ask you... a question. I mean, I don't know so who What's it is. your name? Where you're from? What's your question? My, my name's John. I'm from uh, Connecticut. So my, my, I guess my question is, why all the, why do we have to fight so much about this stuff? My name's John. And like, you know, like, like, let's be real. Like, it, it's, it's the holiday season. Can we not uh, just get along a little bit more? I mean, I'm having fun. I'm having fun. I'm having fun. I'm going to hang up. Well, I'm hanging up. I'm hanging up because of the fact that there was a lot of feedback coming in, and I'm also very leery of accepting phone calls from people who I don't know. Yeah. Because there's yeah. the fact that the people who uh, there have there been, might have been a kicker in there, in there who have dropped. <laughs> there, there might have. Been, I was expecting a a n word or c word or something else that happened. Like yeah. the voice, the voice sounded very similar to the like some of the people that called him before. Anyway, but if, if it was a legitimate question, then fine. I mean, we aren't getting along. I mean, this is, I think, our best conversation that we've had, even though we disagree on everything almost. Um, yeah. I think it, we're having a good, yeah. reasonable I'm conversation. I mean, I mean, it's been good. I agree. I mean, we disagree, oh. but it, it's been civil. It's been cordial. We, we, we clearly disagree on a lot, but um, we deal, it's clearly disagree on a lot of policies. Um, but I think we are getting along. I'm more than welcome anybody on, on your side of the, if she wants to call in either number and say, hey, um, ask this question. I, I've been very bad at, at reading questions from my chat room because it's been scrolling and we've been talking, but okay. I just kind of want to go back. Uh, to, uh, to, uh, to give the, a shout out. If you can I'm... give a shout out of your chat room and your number, please, for my listeners, if you don't mind, uh, just so they can maybe connect. Cause, uh, I don't know how much more time I got on my podcast show here, but, uh, before they start bouncing off my callers, but I do have a board here full. So if you want, I don't know if anyone's pressed one or they want to talk, interact, uh, with the liberal Dan here, or have a question, uh, do so politely. Um, or, or Dan, if you want to give your, your plat- platform, a, a a quick uh, shout out here on my platform. More than welcome to go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, just a show reset. I guess you know, Liberal Dan Radio talks about that's right. Wednesdays 8 p.m. Central. BlogTalkRadio.com/slash/LiberalDan or Liberal Dan Radio on YouTube. Uh, support the show Patreon.com/slash/LiberalDan. Come subscribe to the channel too. And do you have a YouTube channel? Joseph? I don't. I don't. I don't actually right now. Uh, but it's Gibson Media okay. that I do have on my blo- on my podcast. And uh, uh, you know, I'm uh, actually a candidate here in North Carolina. I'll be running here in North Carolina for in my district for the uh, House of Representatives uh, the next coming. I w- in the last primary I ran, I'll be running again as a Republican candidate. So uh, here in uh, uh, Rockingham County, North Carolina. All right. Well, there you go. But. Very cool. Um, I always I write prophets too. I, I was not successful, but you know it happens. It is what it. Wait, I'm, I usually want to say it is what it is. I'll let Donald say it. So hold it on. It is what it is. 
Thank you, Donald. Um, so I'm a leftist liberal, so I'm going to like uh, fake vote for you. I'm just gonna. I promise you, I'm gonna break voting law and vote for you. So, but but let's let's go All back right. to the whole wood thing that was said because I did want to bring this up. Do you think it was responsible uh, for Donald Trump when Donald Trump said to Woodward that he downplayed the threat of COVID? Like I.e. like he was basically saying he to to the public that it's fine, it's like the flu, but to Woodward, he was like, this is terrible. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. It's, it's horrible. Like, do you think that was responsible of him? Do you think that that was I, him being a good leader? I, I, the way he handled the whole COVID thing, I disagree with, and, I, and it's one of the things that I do disagree with his uh, uh, administration, the way he did handle it. Uh, so I have to agree with you on that. I, but for, a, for one of the issues, uh, he handled it all wrong, the whole entire COVID uh, 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 so-called scamdemic, I like to call it, because I, uh, we, we, I don't want to get into a whole thing about the virus and the pandemic, but, you know, I believe that uh, a lot of things were wrong. There's a lot of unanswered questions the, the, with the vaccination process, the wearing the face diaper uh, that doesn't protect you. I think Fauci is a, is a, is a liar, and he's a criminal, uh, and uh, probably should be brought up on charges uh, for the lies that he told the American people. And uh, the way Trump handled the uh, pandemic, yeah, I agree with you. He handled it wrong. Well we, well, well, we agree that he handled it wrong. We disagree on the reasons why he handled it wrong. Um, now, like with Fauci, like a lot of times I find conservatives will say that Fauci lied because Fauci said one thing in April and then he said another thing in June and he said another thing in August. Um, but a lot of that's how science works sometimes. Like as, as we learn more information about a particular thing, like in April in, in the letter that he wrote or the email that he wrote, he basically said he didn't see a purpose in wearing – um, a cloth mask at this point in time, you know, to, to, to prevent the spread. But in that letter, he also said that maybe an N95 or, or he didn't want the N95s used because he wanted that to be used for the people in, in like first responders. But he also did say that, you know, perhaps wearing a cloth mask might, might help with the efficacy of preventing you from spreading it to other people. And then that changed later to we should be wearing a mask. To, and a lot of times there's a misrep- misrepresentation of the, the masking policy or the masking recommendation. It was never really to, do, to defend the wearer from getting sick. There was some minor – there was some information that showed that there was some minor help with that, but it was always to help prevent the wearer from spreading it to other people. Um, but like, you know, with Trump, you know, Trump said in, in Tulsa where, you know, he killed Herman Cain, um, the, uh, the, um, well, you know, I mean, it was a responsible thing to be holding and, and, and still in the middle of a pandemic, but he wanted to slow down testing. You know, I, I think had we ramped up testing and we made a more aggressive testing policy where we went in and, and, and aggressively tested people to see where the virus was, where the hotspots were, we, did, we wouldn't have had to have done a massive shutdown nationwide of the country. We could, have, we could have basically just done targeted shutdowns. Like, okay, the virus is in New Orleans, and it's really bad in New Orleans, so we're going to shut down New Orleans for two weeks, and we'll financially help the people in New Orleans for those two weeks. Okay, well, now the virus is, you know, but the virus has slowed down, and, and the spread has been slowed down to a point where it's safe to go back out in these other areas. So we don't have to shut down as long. I think the shutdowns would have been shorter, would have been more targeted, would have had a less less of a harmful impact on the economy while being more effective in preventing the disease. But Trump didn't want and, – and, and this is – like if we ignore 
all of the things that I believe that he did, that, that he has done in his entirety of his lifetime that are bigoted and racist or whatever, to ignore all those things, I think his failures in COVID should have been in and of itself enough to, to say that he shouldn't have been reelected. I mean, those, just ignoring everything else, his COVID response to, to me is why he should never have been reelected. Well, like you said, the, the COVID thing was a new thing, and nobody saw that coming. And, again, I don't want to get into a big COVID uh, discussion because I think it will take away from the Democrat-Republican policy failures uh, that, that I really wanted to discuss. But uh, the, the, I, I agree he handled it wrong, but, again, I don't think that should be the highlight of his presidency, why he should be not run again or should, not, or should have been impeached. I mean, uh, again, he had advisors around him that were advising him wrongly. Let's stop. He was one of them. Uh, I, I believe that there's a lot about this. This, this I call it the scamdemic. I mean, again, I, I, a lot of stuff has happened <clears throat> with this with this thing that has to be investigated, and there should be a lot of people held accountable for the way it was handled and what did happen and what actually is happening still today with the vaccines and the the uh, lack of uh, transparency and knowledge that's out there. And really, who is responsible for this? Was what was this a virus that was released? Uh, uh, by uh, China or, or some lab in China. What, what, what happened? Let's get to the bottom of this. There's so many unanswered questions, and we're certainly not getting the truth from CNN or Fox News. Uh, so uh, there's so much disinformation out there, too, so you have to be careful. Is there a virus out there that makes people sick? I, I, I guess the evidence is out there, yes, but are the numbers true? Of course not. The numbers are a lie. I mean, there's so much evidence out there that proves that it, that it is. And why is it a lie then? Why are they lying about the numbers? So we have to get to the bottom of it. I mean, let's get to the facts here because people's lives are at stake. I mean, don't you agree with that? I mean, well, people's lives are at stake, and, and, and sure, I'm fine with looking into everything. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily doubt. I, I think the numbers are probably – I think the numbers are probably too low than too high because there are people who – caught this before it was even like when we thought we had 13 people who were sick i'm there was more people who had it i probably had it in january of 2020 um they just didn't know how to test for it all, all my doctor said was you have a virus that's not the flu um now let, let me just say real quick area code 917 if you're in uh, my youtube chat please go ahead and uh, put your uh, put your put, put that you're from area code 917 so i can know whether or not i'm going to accept your call or not uh, to make sure, uh, make sure you're a safe person to pick up or not. Anyway, um, again, I don't, I don't believe it was a, a scamdenic. I mean, I was sick with it. Um, it was terrible when I was sick with it. I felt, I felt horrible, and I had a long cough afterwards um, because there was, no, there was no treatments for me at the time. And then the next time I got it, there was treatments, and it was wonderful. I, I, got, I got healthy much more quickly because – um, the Paxlovid, even though it put a horrible taste in my mouth, it, it, it absolutely helped kick COVID's ass in my system. And not only did I get better quickly, I also didn't have the same lingering cough as I usually do after a respiratory infection. So, um, you know, does that make it a Can scam? I, I mean, our, our, go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, I was just to say, like, I, I know we're going to this COVID thing. You didn't really want it too much, but, um, I, I actually have a, a policy question that's kind of a throwback to an earlier comment that um, I am horrible with names and I forget your names, but uh, the media guy um, said, but Give about the, media, the police, Jason, okay, um, policy thing about the the police 
increase in crime during the Biden administration. And let me preface this with a very, very, very short story. When I went to high school, we had people smoking in class. They appointed somebody to catch the students smoking. And suddenly we had more and more tickets. We give it in Sudbury, rich town. They, they handed out $100 tickets to students. Ridiculous, but it was to make a point. Nobody paid them. And they issued so many tickets that uh, it got noticed and got really bad attention. The local newspaper was like, look how many kids are smoking in this school. The numbers jumped up astronomically. They actually fired the guy because he was doing his job too well. Do you think that the increase in police uh, violence is an actual increase in event, or do you think it is an increase in reporting slash accountability or a combination of the two? I, I think it's a I think it's a combination of the two as tensions with the police and the public have gotten escalated, rising higher and higher. But I also think the additional attention the public is getting combined with the crackdown as new policy gets made is going to lead to a higher number of incidents reporting. But I just want to uh, what you think answer your that. question. I think it's, it's of the two. But at the same time, I, the policy, you keep saying policy. Look, the police are out there to keep the peace. That's what their job is. They're not should be out there policy enforcing. We need less police in our lives, interacting with our lives in a negative way like they do. Okay? Like I said, with the prison situation, getting tough on crime don't work. And the Democrats' way of doing it doesn't is clearly not the way. Defund the police, that's completely an asinine, excuse my language, uh, way of looking at things to defund the police and put social workers out there to handle uh, situations like domestic calls and whatnot. Look, I put on a uniform as a security officer, and I can tell you right now, this attitude that the general public has in some areas of, of where I do security at shopping plazas and whatnot, the attitude that they have by viewing me wearing a uniform is, is despicable, uh, automatically a negative or that, that, sir, you can't park there, uh, it's a handicapped spot, you know, uh, why, why don't you leave me alone, you know, uh, you get that attitude. So I can see the police, they're up against a very tough general public out there that has a negative perception about them. Are there bad apples? There's bad apples in every single profession across America. Uh, farmers, there's bad apples. Police, there's bad apples everywhere. So what do we do? We're going to categorize the entire police force around this country right now that they're all bad and they're all racist and they're all shooting black people. That's false. That's the media's perception, and that's wrong. I mean, these neighborhoods oh, that have no jobs. What's that? Oh, no, I, I said absolutely. I, I agree on that aspect. Uh, I was going to say, um, I think the biggest racial problem that police have isn't necessarily that they start off that way so much as um, if you look at a lot of the training programs that they have, um, and there's these private companies, like uh, I forget what they call it, like Shield Heroes or something like that. There's a lot of things that they're trained to be trained in fear. Uh, have you ever watched the videos of police fainting over what they're told is fentanyl, but it's not actually fentanyl, but they're passing out? And yeah, people are laughing at it. But they have been put to a point where they are so afraid that they are having adverse reactions and passing out because their training is that intense. And I think yeah. that uh, the increase in violence is, and the increase of paranoia it's not necessarily that an officer starts off bad. Um, there's an element of if you're, if you're the one conservative in a very liberal uh, workplace, you're going to start becoming slightly more liberal. If you're the one liberal in a conservative workplace, you're going to start becoming slightly more conservative. And I think the problem is the, the uh, historical us versus them police mentality culture combined with these 
these training things that like really want to go like gung ho hoorah type attitude. And uh, I, I know a couple of people that are cops and like my, my cousin's a cop and I give him heck for it all the time. Um, you know, cause my cousin, I'm, I'm allowed to, um, but there is a lot of, of um, there's a lot of impact. And I think, I think that's where big policy change needs to happen is bringing away from an us versus them. Cause I think the public's trust has been broken and that's why we're getting a lot of, um, we're getting a lot of exposure to bad things the, happening. The confliction, like the, the conflictive, the, hang on, the conflictive thing with policy, the Constitution. If we obey the Constitution, we got nothing to worry about. You know, all these like again, policy enforcers. That's not what the police job. Yeah, and if they're trained to go gun ho out there and start pulling people over and harassing people and profiling people, that's wrong. I agree with you 100%, and that can create tension and, un- and, and unnecessary tension. And I'm all for the general public against a police force that acts like that towards – because, look, the, we are their bosses, and, 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 but we don't go around there saying, hey, I'm your boss, do this. No, but we have to have a mutual respect and understanding, and if we obey the Constitution, we can't go wrong. And like I said, they should be peacekeepers, keep the peace, not policy enforcers. Uh, well, uh, but here's here's also the thing about, about the bad apple comment. I, I was sitting on this for a little bit, but about the bad apple <laughs> comment, um, you know, it, it's not and it's not the problem is not just the people that you know shoot uh, use deadly force when they're not supposed to. It's not the people who who you know fire you know how many bullets into somebody when 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 only a certain amount were are are you know, would would have been needed. Um, it's about the, the, the other people who, again, who, who will use that whole thin blue line argument to, to protect the bad cops. Like there was, uh, there was a case where there was a woman police officer, I forget what city it was. She tried to do the right thing by turning in one of her fellow police officers before doing something that was bad. She got kicked out of the department because they couldn't, they couldn't quote, trust her anymore because she was, you know, she violated the whole thin blue line thing. You know, there are, I agree. There are, there are, there are other cases where you have, um, when you had um, Laquan McDonald and only, and the reason I remember his name so easily is because he was shot outside of Burger King by the cops. Um, And, the first thing that the police officers tried to do when they got there to the scene was not to ascertain was it a good shooting or not, but it was to try and confiscate all of the video from the surrounding establishments to make sure that there was no video available to, to indict their police officer, the police officer. That's tyranny. And the, or That's they, tyranny. They were their first, yeah. Right. And there was a, there was, what's the other one? There's, there was the one case in, I think it was New Jersey, and I forget this individual's name. Uh, the only reason he got off was because of a second vehicular dash cam, uh, because he was being, the cop was arguing, stop grabbing for my gun, stop grabbing for my gun, stop grabbing for my gun. Um, and so he was arrested for trying to uh, grab the gun and trying to assault the police officer then for resisting arrest. Well, it turns out the second police car came and the dash cam showed that he was doing nothing of the sort. There was no attempts to grab for the gun. And I, I was convinced before, before this happened, I was convinced after this happened, and then somebody else called in my podcast. Two, I've, I've talked to two people, somebody else that I know was a police officer locally in the, in the New Orleans metropolitan area, and also somebody else who called in from Florida who, who confirmed that police officers, non-officially, but they will tell the people who are cops as they're as they're coming up and you know and, and learning how to be a, a quote good cop uh, to always shout 
stop reaching for my weapon, stop reaching for my weapon, even if there's no evidence that they're reaching for the weapon, because it gives plausible deniability when, when it comes to a trial. And they say, oh, well, he thought he was reaching for his gun. He is clearly shouting, stop reaching for my gun, so the use of deadly force must have been okay, because he was trying to prevent himself and other people from being shot, when in reality, they're just yelling that to cover their own asses. And it does sound like you agree on the fact that those things that I've just listed are terrible, are examples of bad policing, and but see, it's not just a few bad apples who are who are doing the violence. It's an entire systemic problem that's protecting the bad cops as well. Uh, I agree, and the qualified immunity thing. I don't. Uh, I don't agree with that. You know, they should not have uh, immunity for uh, everything. Look, you break the law. You, you again. You violate the Constitution. That's it. You're in trouble. Just because you wear a badge does not give you per, per, uh, special privileges to do anything. Now, I do believe that the, we should respect uh, uh, the uh, police officers out there. I don't even like to call them law enforcement because I, I just don't like that because enforce, enforce. You know that 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 the, the attitude of. Uh, uh, they're in charge. That's not, you know, we the people are in charge. But we also, with liberty, uh, comes responsibility and accountability. We have responsibility as citizens with our liberty. Doesn't mean we go around, you know, uh, uh, disrespecting police officers because they wear a badge. And like I was t- telling you, I wear a uniform. I, 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 I you know, I, that attitude, and I, and I see, I see that. And then it creates a confrontation, you know, and I have to, then me being responsible, wearing that uniform, I have to take the better step of trying to de-escalate it and walk away. But at the same time, where do you draw that line? Where, where what happens when a confrontation comes about, you know, now it's the public versus the guy in the uniform. So yeah, it, it, it's a bad situation, you know, it's very, that's why education is key. And, and again, you have to look at all the surrounding elements of why something is happening. If you have a hundred people hanging around on a street corner doing nothing on a set on a Monday night, you know, why aren't they getting up to get ready to go to work the next morning? You know, then again, what's wrong with hanging around on a Monday night? You know, is this America free to do what you want? You know, so you got to look at it. You know, it, it's a complicated situation. These are answers and questions we have to ask ourselves within our own communities. You know, why are why are we not getting up for work the next? Because there's no jobs in the community. There's nothing to do. So what are they out doing? They're out hustling or, or gang banging or doing whatever they're doing. So it has to be addressed. You know, and the policies of the Democrats across the cities of America and this country do not work. The ten most violent cities in this country have been the ten most violent cities in this country because of Democratic policies for years and years and years that don't work. But they, but blacks and minorities vote 90% of the time Democrat. Why? Why? Why not vote for who's right for the job? This, this, this. Okay. Uh, well, you know, I just disagree with that. Let me tackle that second part first, um, because, well, first of all, um, I think sometimes people cringe when you say blacks instead of black people. Um, so there's that. Um, but, you know, there's 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 probably a perception, first of all, for the I guess for the for the on the first part that it's not it's not the government policy that's that's affecting or that's causing the crime that it's more of the fact that these are these are people who are who are going to commit crimes regardless of who's in power and that may or may not be true I don't know but there are more issues than just crime that affect people um, that that are going to make people say oh well I'm not going to I'm not going to vote for for Republicans I'm going to vote for Democrats um, you go way back to 2000 the year in in, in 2000 um, in, in that election. 
Uh, Florida did a cast a wide net and uh, disenfranchised many voters, a uh, majority of whom were black voters because they were not, they were supposedly voters that weren't supposed to vote, but they didn't exactly match like, okay, well, this person is, is a former felon. So therefore we're not going to allow this individual person. They, they basically banned a lot of people or, or kicked a lot of people off the voter rolls um, without any notification, without anything. And the majority, and again, the vast majority of them were black. And it, and so that had a disproportionate effect and that could have led to the difference in the Florida election, which could have swung the federal election overall. Um, you have this, this circumstances like in North Carolina, this so-called voter ID bill, which had more information in it. Oh, somebody, somebody sent me a goodie. Uh, thank you, Aaron, for buying me a cider. Um, the, uh, the, um, North Carolina law that was so-called had, you know, voter ID laws labeled that because it's easy because people love to make the argument, what's wrong with acquiring a voter ID? Nothing. Um, although voter IDs doesn't, don't stop most election fraud that's out there, but there are other if, are items in these laws that have nothing to do with showing a voter ID um, as part of um, those laws that are included specifically to disenfranchise voters. Um, and typically those voters that are targeted are black voters. The North Carolina example, the reason the North Carolina law was ultimately thrown out was because when they went to eliminate different types of voting that they used to have in the state, what the legislator did was they looked at all of the different ways that people voted in the state and then eliminated only those that were utilized mostly by black people. So that's, that's targeting black voters with surgical precision, as the judge stated in that case, um, is what caused that law to be overthrown. When um, the uh, ridiculous Supreme Court ruling that overturned part of the Voting Rights Act um, that basically said, oh, well, these basically it was akin to, to, to us in New Orleans saying, well, that we haven't flooded from the Mississippi River, so we no longer need the levees. Um, these, you know, as soon as those, those, that, those provisions, were, the preclearance part was, was removed, um, the, the, the states immediately ran to start trying to pass these laws that were meant to disenfranchise voters. You had the Georgia SB 202. Part of that rule, part of that law uh, that, that was implemented was um, a ban on handing out bottled water to people in line to vote. Now, if, if so, if I, if I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and my wife was waiting in line, and I wanted to bring her a bottle of water, I would not be able to do so, or else I would be co committing a crime. Um, and, and that in and of itself, you're going to say, well, that's not racist because it affects everybody. But the implementation of it is, is that in Atlanta or in Georgia as a whole, the white districts tend to be less populated. So there are less lines in, at the voting precincts. Um, meanwhile, the, the districts in the more urban areas, which tend to have, you know, majority black populations, uh, those, those lines tend to be much longer and as such, these people are going to wait longer in line. And so the goal is to make it much, much, le much less comfortable to be in line in the first place so that, so that, so that it works to help disenfranchise the vote. Um, so you ask why black people will, will, will 90% plus vote for the Democratic Party. It's because you're not seeing a targeted attempt by the Democratic Party to try and disenfranchise black voters. You're seeing that coming from the Republican Party, and you'll have 
people who are officials in the, in the Republican Party admitting that that's what they're doing. They're admitting, they say, if more people vote, we lose. They're saying if, if, the higher, if we have higher black turnout, we lose. So instead of changing their arguments to, to try and win over more people or, or at least making their art, trying to make an argument in such a way that would attract more people to vote for, for the Republicans, say this is why our policy positions are good for the black community – they just try and they just say, oh, it's easier for us to stop to try and stop them from voting, to try and disenfranchise them. And then they see that and be like, well, we're not going to vote for you. You know, they could make they, a conservative mayoral candidate or a gubernatorial candidate could make the best argument in the world and, and say, this is this is the golden ticket on how we're going to end crime in your community and the deaths of, of black people or all people are going to plummet once we implement these. Here's the empirical evidence to show it. Um, but they're going to say, oh, yeah, but you were trying to stop us from voting, so therefore we're not going to support you. So, but I don't believe that yeah. any conservative mayoral candidate has that, has that magic potion, has that magic formula that's going to end crime either. They just have other bad ideas that are not going to solve the problem that are instead just probably going to make it worse. And that's another reason why they're not going to vote for them because they see what conservative policies do in money areas. And why would they then believe that conservative policies on crime are going to be any better for them? Well, uh, again, you brought up a, a, a lot there, you know, the, the policies hurting black communities. Well, let me ask you a question. Where are all the abortion clinics in the uh, – uh, here, for instance, in here in North Carolina, most of them are in the cities where the black population is higher. I was going to bring up stores? abortion, and I was, I was going to bring that up, by the way. I was going to bring up the, argue, the bad argument about abortion, but go ahead. I'll deal with that in a second. I was anticipating that, but I decided, no, he's not going to go right. there. You went there. But go ahead, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll rebut. Uh, all right. Well, you know, you have uh, – where's all the liquor stores uh, in the black communities? You know, uh, uh, you, know you don't – again, you know, so that's – obviously they're targeting a population there, uh, a policy. Why is that? Wouldn't that make you angry? I mean, uh, you know, if, if, it was the, if the roles were reversed, it would make me angry. You know, well, why is that? You're killing my people. You know, so, I mean, I disagree with that. You know, um, so, again, you know, it, the policies of, of the Democrats and in the cities and their ideologies uh, are, are, are hurting the, the uh, blacks and Hispanic uh, communities across America. I mean, the number of the policies, but I, I started with abortion, so if you want to bring, go ahead and tackle that, go ahead. I'll let you go. Okay. I understand why conservatives make that argument, make the argument about abortion. Um, I haven't quite heard the liquor store one as well, but I understand, but it's the same kind of premise. I understand why y'all make that argument. It's because y'all believe in supply side economics. You know, if you build it, they will come. Um, the reason that these clinics will like, 